microphones in front of our faces into your ears. We bought a mic, mic on TV as Mike on TV. We bought a mic, but not Mike from Better Call Saul. Bought a mic, get around to see that one. Welcome to We Bought a Mic, Listomania Part 2 of 3, with our best TV shows, favorite, top, whatever you want to call uh, it. Let's call them favorite, because it's, uh, I, I don't like people saying that these are the best shows, because really, we're in the subjective business here, This guys. is peak TV, guys. This is, I don't know if you guys realize this, but there's a lot of TV out there. I am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And I am 10AM Drew. Yeah, it's, it it's Sunday morning uh, in sunny Orlando, Florida, and we're doing the, the Lord's work here to yeah. to bring you your sweet, sweet content. I was actually I was supposed to be giving the sermon at my church uh, oh, today. Damn, but I don't, we well I brought bread and wine so we can do communion here like while we do the pie. Nice. Yeah, instead I just I covered myself in barbed wire and. <laughs> <laughs> And I came straight here. Somebody has to do something. <laughs> and I made out with my girlfriend. Ooh. The end. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a movie. But that anyway, we yeah, can't say which one. That's for next week. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a little tease. <laughs> um, but yeah, this week is TV. Uh, I had a tough time watching TV this year. Uh, it's a big time commitment. This was the first year that I really felt the commitment of it hitting me because there we watched so many movies already um and then there are video games and podcasts and all this a lot shit. of Fortnite, yeah and we have to do it that we have no choice you have to listen to every episode yeah. of hollywood handbook there yeah exactly there's no other option i'm like i'm just strapped to a chair all day with my eyes <laughs> like tied open well i mean this has probably been the first year that i can say that at least 50 percent of my list is from streaming things Ooh. it's all stuff that was all came out in mine. one giant batch and even more so than that a lot of them are shows that i watched in one go whether or not they all came out at the same time or not mm -hmm. really took advantage of the binge model this year yeah mostly in the last like two weeks <laughs> to catch up on <laughs> some shows i mean especially if you consider like hbo even though those shows are kind of laid out on a weekly basis we consume them Oh yeah, I mean, think medium. about like for Succession. We didn't yeah, watch, we talked about that show like right at the very end, at like the last episode. We just kind of plowed through everything to catch yep. up. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been a great year of TV. I mean, we're we're deep in the in the thralls of peak TV, so it's impossible to get through everything. It's just it's not realistic. This isn't our full time gig or anything like that. So we have to make carve out time to see what we can and there's just things that fall through the cracks i mean i i still haven't finished the deuce that's one show that is just oh yeah that's there, a big meaty hamburger of a show <laughs> it's a meaty boy there's a lot that i couldn't get through this year and there's a lot that i'm not even going to mention that i did watch because i'm almost embarrassed that i did watch oh, it. oh wow um just a lot of like trash on that whole nother podcast yeah it uh, really if we're is. doing a netflix trash <laughs> i can i'm down to do like a worst 
10 of the year <laughs> yeah. because I've seen enough bad TV that I think that I can fill up that kind of time. Yeah, I watched a lot of shit this year. <laughs> good. And I preferred it. A lot of the time, you just, I prefer it genuinely over watching something good. Well, it's like Thanos, you know, perfectly balanced as all things exactly. should be. Exactly. You got, you got to have the poopy exactly. so you know what the pee pee is. <laughs> pee pee is, I think pee pee is really good. Yeah. I, I really <laughs> wanted to finish the new season of Always Sunny as well because I've heard like amazing things about the finale. Haven't gone to that. Still trying to get well, through Daredevil season three. Maybe one day I'll finally finish it, that. I yeah. don't think that would have made the list. I'm, but I'm, Always I'm, Sunny, I'm it kind of, that. it sucks that uh, now the newer episodes are taken off of Hulu. So exactly, now you have to go through FXX yeah. to actually watch it, which is really a shame. I mean, I kind of blame myself for not keeping up sooner, but there, I mean, there's just too much shit that we all have yeah. to watch. I watched like the first few episodes, like maybe the first four. Yeah. Or so, the first and... four or five. I mean, they were all still it, great. I mean, Sunny has like a floor and that floor is above pretty much most everything mm-hmm. else on TV. Also never finished the uh, first season of Future Man on Hulu and now season two is out. So I might get to that eventually. Man, that let, a me, fun show. let me tell you about that fucking show. Hulu. <laughs> games the system and so whenever you finish anything if you finish it automatically it's i'm it's like hey man you you, you forgot like what what happened it's it's right here we're just gonna play we're just gonna play it for you starting from like the yeah the middle of episode four yeah and i I was right where you left i was pretty deep into it i was on like ep nine and now i resent it so much because i see it like once a week it's mocking you i watch episode nine once a week (laughs) and i'm just over it now um, also, Glow. I watched uh, season one this year and never uh, watched the new season, so I might get to that. Heard great things about Escape from Danamora on Showtime. Yeah, me too. Little Drummer Girl, Room 104, the Duplass Brothers shows on HBO, Lodge 49 on AMC, Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, Kidding, the Jim Carrey show on, on Showtime. Fuck. And yeah, that, it just it just piles up. It just piles, piles up. So maybe one day I'll, I'll get through all these. And then there's all the other shows that have been, you know, stacking up from years past, like The Americans or... When are we going to start Sopranos watch? Yeah, game? exactly. It's now, it's now 20 years old. I think it's time. Yeah, oh, it's, it's about time. It's such a good show, man. I'm... I'm think i'm done with season three of it Ooh, okay and oh my god it's, was it was like a five season show five, uh, six. I, yeah i think it was like a breaking bad type where it has the two-parter final season but oh my god what a show it's so it's extremely funny um like darkly comedic and uh like surprisingly light but then obviously insanely dark uh so my number 10 is the sopranos uh <laughs> Didn't, number nine, Mad Men. <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't double check on any Eight, of these. Eight, The Wire. Number one, <laughs> I Love Lucy. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard of this show Hey, yet. MASH. Oh. Yeah, dude. Snub. <laughs> Fucking snub. Damn. 60 Minutes. It's like a number 11, 12. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, MASH is actually a great show. I never liked it as a kid because I didn't understand war. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever see the movie? Uh, oh yeah, I've seen the movie Mash. Great. I think yeah. I've occasionally caught episodes of like my parents watching it on TMC or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, it's now. on reruns everywhere. But, yeah, um, it's just so like it, the comedy still holds up, uh, and and it has Alan Alda, just absolute vintage Alan Alda. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it gets it has like this ahead of its time thing where it gets dark because they're in a war and there's people that are just dying and going insane and shit. Yeah, well, Good they're, show. they're doctors. They have to like 
Yeah. They're just exposed to the horrors of all that shit. Yeah, I think technically it's a 2019 release, so I'll, <laughs> I'll put it. I'll put we'll it on my. It. We'll save it. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll put it on my list next year. But let's let's get started with our list. Yeah, let's jump into the list. And I I think the fair way to do this is since since Hunter you started uh, last week, I think Drew you can start this week, and then I'll start next week just okay. to keep it keep it fair. So the way we're gonna do this, we're gonna go one through ten, uh, you know, roundtable style, all the way to number one. Then we'll take a break and then do awards and honorable mentions after that stuff that didn't quite make the top um, 10 so okay so number 10 i'm gonna start with something my top 10 shows are all solidly shows that i can say that i genuinely i enjoyed watching them at points uh that said my number 10 is is a warning shot to westworld Ooh. Uh, i know it's not going to be on your list this is kind of like what uh, who said this last year with Game of Thrones? Was it you, Hunter? Yeah, because yeah, you don't watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, Albert. I put that on there because Game of Thrones severely disappointed me last year. Yeah, but. there. This season had extremely high highs, particularly the uh, the native. I get whatever country he was from. I was going to call him a Native American, but yeah, I guess he is because it's the Wild West. That episode, episode eight. That episode was in my top ten episodes of anything I saw this whole year. It was a beautiful episode of TV. Um, you know, it's it's Westworld, so there were in very very good looking episodes, great shots, um, great ideas being played with, but it truly did not come together for me. This is at the bottom of shows that I enjoyed because there were episodes that I truly did not enjoy. Um, it was just super uneven, man. Like, I I don't I don't know. I feel like they they bit off more than they could chew. They bit off maybe the highest concept show on television right now and they are struggling to rein it in and figure out what to focus on and there were some episodes that i was truly checked out yeah this is my biggest disappointment of 2018 it Mm. probably is mine too i just watched 10 shows this year (laughs) (laughs) i i think the finale of season two of westworld is some of the most bizarre shit i've ever seen uh spoils for spoilers for season two of Westworld if you haven't seen it but basically the finale is like this mind-bending uh concept of the hosts like uploading themselves into this digital heaven and like this journey yeah. for them to like find salvation in this virtual uh paradise and a la um her kind of yeah yeah, yeah kind of very like that. that's what it made me think of i haven't even talked about the fact that i finished this show because i was almost a little checked out at the end even though it had all that crazy it's, shit going it's on such a mind-bending like really really crazy out there concept and it should have it should have hit a little harder on the emotional side mm. but when you're playing with all of these like big conceptual ideas and then you throw in the fact that like they were actively trying to deceive the audience at every yeah turn. so yeah it's so bogged down essentially what i'll say is if you don't like inception you will dislike westworld a lot more well i don't think that but i don't think that's a because i mean i love inception i think that that's a i movie know that gets but way too much shit well the reason people don't like it though is exactly what ernest just said yeah it's, you, it's the nolanism the emotions are missing because they're hiding shit from you and it's very complicated so if you don't are you already don't like inception watch westworld and you will shoot yeah, yourself you'll hate it. <laughs> you will kill yourself i i mean i this show really this show disappointed me so hard because i really i truly enjoyed season one um but i just thought this season there was the pathos that was there in season one that made me care about the characters was completely absent in this season um it was 
like the worst kind of Nolan where it's just misleading for no reason. Like there's no rhyme or reason to it trying to deceive you other than the fact that it's like, ah, it's a twist. We got you with a quote unquote twist that you weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, I just this movie or the show let me down in so many different ways. And I really I had higher expectations. I think that a lot of people did for this show. They expected it to step in as HBO's temple. And it seems like a lot of people are jumping off the ship with yeah, me. That's definitely season. it's a um, big it's a big swing. And I'm still on board for season three. Uh, they they're a lot of the main players like um, Dolores and uh, Bernard are off the park they're out of the park they're out in the real world now so that just opens up the possibilities of what they yeah. can do in season three so. there's still there's that's the thing there's still potential toward the end of the season it did get better i will say that 100 percent because i was so yeah, I, I will say so i close. never i never finished this show just because yeah. mid-season there's like a three episode arc which was just i was so out on this show i just like i couldn't force myself to sit down for another hour plus yeah. of this show no i yeah i was so close and then i i you know i stuck it out and uh i did i was glad that i finished it but i was still overall disappointed one i think the main issue that i had not only with the arc that i i bitched about for like 30 minutes uh last year is they really struggled with deciding how we should feel when a robot dies because with some of them we're really supposed to give a shit and then yeah. others it's like oh who cares it's a robot yeah like, and also and at the end of the day they'll just reboot them anyways so it yeah. nothing matters exactly <laughs> and it's you can tell via the pacing that they choose during death scenes where there it'll, it'll be a robot that we've never met and they kill them and they shoot it over like four minutes as if it were supposed to be heavy and like hit us emotionally yeah I, I found that particularly frustrating with the ed harris arc with his daughter and then there's that whole reveal at the end that basically we were watching an ed harris host the whole time mm. kind of it's very murky yeah uh, I, I don't even want to talk about that but the, <laughs> the, that's westworld drew's number 10 uh my number 10 is bojack horseman oh save it yeah save it great all right Hunter, you're number 10. My number 10 is Legion. Is that on your list? It did not make my list. Wow, you guys talked about it a lot. This show is, even even when this show fails, I just kind of marvel at how ballsy of a network TV show this is. That The fact that Noah Hawley has the ability to do stuff that is... It's mind-bending, and even whenever it doesn't really work, because I do think that season two was a step back from season one. I don't think that there's any doubt about that, but I still think that this still that this advanced the um, the main protagonist character. This really kind of helped. Push David, her, yeah, David, Dan Stevens is so good in this role. He is truly like an evil character that you want to cheer, especially and at root the end. For. And by the end of the season, you realize like there's no villain. coming back from this. Yeah. Like what happens, what he does. It kind of it kind of makes me worried about season three. Th- this this show is like my uh, I hope it doesn't tank award for the new season. You know, I have faith in Noah Hawley because he seems like the type of person that he's already thought out the details. He's planned out the entire story arc and where he wants this to go. Um, similar to. Another show which didn't make my list, actually, The Good Place, where it just kind of seems like everything is very plotted out. Um, I just, I, 
like the direction in the show is just unlike anything else on television. It's the it's not just that it's beautifully looking and everything, but it they gave time in one of the episodes for like just this dance battle that's yeah. like <laughs> used to display two minds fighting against each other. And it's just the weirdest possible thing that you can see on television. In in a world without Twin Peaks, like this is kind of as weird yeah. as it can get on TV. Also, where else are you going to see Aubrey Plaza and Jermaine Clement just duking it out as these like weird extra dimensional beings? <laughs> it just doesn't happen anywhere else. Uh, all right, so that's Legion, Hunter's number 10. On to number nine, Drew. Well... Uh, it's crashing a Pete Holmes joint. Great. Uh, this didn't make my list. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have made mine if I had watched more good stuff this year. The show gets my good for you, bud, award <laughs> to Pete. That's so funny. I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> it is, I, I almost hate that I enjoy this show a lot because, uh, on surface level and if you, even if you dig deeper, it's an annoying show for sure. Um, we're going to talk about at some point Pete Holmes' stand-up. He has a new hour uh, that came out like right at the end of the year, maybe even this year, and I think it's unbelievably good. Yeah, like, it's like really I, funny. It, yeah, like top two of last year for me. Um, I think his stand-up is a, is a good deal better than his show. I think his show is a little bit passe, but I you know, I'm a fucking sucker for the stand-up scene and what's going on with all those guys and all that bullshit. And I almost wish I wasn't, but there are a lot of good things going on in the show. I, the naturalism really works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't uh, when it leans on Pete's acting really hard. He's not that great of an actor. Mm. Um, I like how he shits on himself, though. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very it's self-deprecating. It's very autobiographical. This year, I really enjoyed this season more than the, the first one because we get to see him uh, succeed just a little bit. Um, apparently, that's going to continue more in season three. But I yeah I enjoyed seeing like the uh, I forget what it's called but the the college stand up showcase where you go and perform Naf- for co- was it NAFTA something like that that's no, that's, the, that's, the, that's the North NAFTA Atlantic Free not, Trade Agreement yeah, that's not it. uh, it's not that but it's something like, NACA um NACA. yeah where you go, I I have been dying to figure out what that's like because I've heard so many comedians talk about it um and he depicted it as realistically as he could so i thought that was very neat i love that he utilizes real new york club stand up comics that never made it and this is just all they do is they work these clubs and he will actually like give them like 3 minutes or so to just fucking with like small emotional arcs too yeah and yeah and when they he lets them act too but he just lets them do their act like he lets them do stand up on the show which is very very cool of him so i have not watched this show and i think that one of the things cuz i can there was something holding me back from the show i think it just rubs me just a little bit the wrong way that there's a comedian doing like starring a show that is their lives there's something about that that just rubs me a little bit the wrong way it's just like get the fuck out of here pete holmes like what makes you think that you're because it worked so well for louis the first time so well yeah that's the thing is it's a little bit of a passe concept like it's been done it's been done so many times he is doing it he has a unique spin on it i just don't think it's like i mean pete holmes is like he's 
he's huge. I mean, he's he's really big, but it's like I don't know. Maybe like I feel like he's too young still to be like starring in a show about. Like, don't star in the show about yourself. <laughs> Get somebody else who like a lookalike yeah. to be. Um, I'm excited for season three. It premieres like in two weeks, so we'll we'll see where they take How it. How does the aging down look? Uh, they don't. They don't even. Up. They don't even age him down. Yeah. They don't. Even no. he's, a baby, he's a baby face. He does kind of have a baby uh, face. He, um. Yeah. That. That's kind of annoying. But the show has a lot going for it. This is a show that I would call this a good show, but I would call it unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's not vital that you watch this show. Uh, it's for an a certain audience. Pete Holmes is still. You know, he wants to be a household name. He's definitely not that. He's not even. He's not close yet. But he's getting there. Well, if you if if you've heard uh his stand-up specials check out the show yeah exactly if you if you're into you know the mythology of stand-up and just how it works and the journey of it then you know you can get into the show if you like apatow shit right it's an apatow show it has the feel of any of those shows shot in new york yeah it's at the clubs it's good it's just super not uh not important it's not an important show. All right, that's Crashing, Drew's number nine. My number nine is Sharp Objects on oh, HBO. This was near the top of my list of shows that I wanted to watch Nick around to. Yeah, I, I think uh, Amy Adams is probably the best female performance of the year in this show. She is absolutely magnificent. She plays this really broken person, this journalist who is having to relive a lot of uh, trauma from her youth and... The way the show is constructed with its editing and its direction and, and its uh, the music supervision, all of these components come together in a really satisfying way. There's a mystery underneath it all. This this family is hiding something. This town is hiding something. And it doesn't come across as like hack or cheap or like overplayed. It, it, there's just this like nice texture to the show. You, you feel the, the sweltering heat of Missouri when you watch this. And you just get the sense that like – People know that there's some shit happening and they don't want to acknowledge it. They just want to put their headphones on and look down, turn the other way and pretend that everything's fine as like dark, dark shit is happening. And Amy Adams absolutely knocks it out of the park. Amazing performance. Great, great ending. Drew, you mentioned that you uh, you just read what happens at the very end without watching the show. Yeah, and it pissed me off. <laughs> it's just one of those like big like what the fuck holy shit endings that just recontextualizes everything so yeah well it's Gillian Flynn so I had faith in right. at least the writing of it all yeah yeah and um Jean um god I forgot the the director's name Jean it's, Ralphio <laughs> it's the guy that does uh Jean Marc Vallée yeah he did Big Little Lies which mm-hmm. I still want to see because season two is coming uh, so Sharp Objects, my number nine Hunter what is your number nine my number nine is Wild Wild Country um didn't we, quite make my list. I really we, wanted to fit it on there. We talked about this a while ago. Um, this is the last of uh, my lowest tier on my list. Whenever we get closer, I really think two through seven are kind of all interchangeable. Um, but Wild Wild Country just missed, uh, or it just kind of missed that last tier. It still made it in my top ten. Um, I think that where this show went was a fascinating rabbit hole to go down. This is my biggest surprise of the year. Yeah. I mean, it really came out nowhere. I'm a huge documentary fan. Last year I had The Keepers on my list, I think, in this number nine spot again. But I really wish that – my problem with the show is I wish that would have taken more of an interrogative 
style of documentary filmmaking. More of a stance. On I the wish. Side. Well, no, not even necessarily taking a stance, but just going hard you, on that. Actually, lady. I wanted. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. There reached points where I wanted the cameraman to not just be just a passive observer. I wanted him to actually question her whenever she says some really crazy shit go for it whenever like the townspeople say some shit about like wanting to like shoot the random cult members like say something like i wanted there to be a little bit more conflict that is that is an interesting documentary style it's it's a good point because even past just like having conflict they you're you're right that they made the choice to not include the dialogue of the person behind the camera very often if at all yeah i mean there's two main styles of first person documentary filmmaking which is interrogative and then passive and this took a passive approach and i really feel like it would have hit that extra level if they would have just dug a little deeper if they like really questioned these subjects and not just let them just freely talk about the unadulterated sex and drug use that they had (laughs) for like the course of like an entire episode i totally agree with you i just think that maybe the reasoning behind that was to try not to take away from just the sheer like uh uh just kind of befuddledness of this whole scenario like just presenting the facts as they are is already surprising enough to find yeah. out that this is a real thing that happened is already engaging well, enough that maybe they're like well let's not press things too hard let's just kind of lay out the events as they are told well, that's yeah that's interesting too because that's the thing they didn't it's still a decent interesting show like it's, it's a list making show without them going super hard into uh being more conflictive about it uh but then if you watch something we're definitely going to talk about minding the gap which is a documentary that only exists because the guy who made it dug so deep into these people's lives and asked such difficult questions to them right well that's that's a special film i know that, and that's, that's not a usual well, thing well it's it's just such an interesting difference because the events that they're talking about are First of all, they're not interesting at all in the beginning. Like, it's just, you think it's about one thing, but this, it just would not exist without one singular mind deciding to do the, the dirty work. And so that is a good point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to sound too negative on the show. It did still make my top 10. I still think that this is a fascinating show that I would recommend to people, especially if you're a fan of documentary filmmaking and if you've never heard about this thing before because yeah, I had Shnishis. no idea that this was a thing, this whole cult that was started in Oregon that took up arms and committed biological warfare and all this kind of shit like it is wild what happens yeah. and you're like there's this couldn't have happened not in like america yeah. no what <laughs> how i should know about <laughs> this, this must be fake no it's like one of those things where you're like i don't know how this isn't a bigger thing before and yeah. shout out to the duplass bros for discovering the story discovering the filmmakers behind this yeah and, sort of shepherding the whole project yeah, exactly they really um, kind of took them under their wing yeah, it's. I mean, that's one of the best things a documentary can do is show you something you that everyone should know about and that no one knows about. Uh, speaking of which, Tower Seven, how did it fall down? <laughs> we don't know. Nothing fell on it. It just exploded. No, I'm kidding. Max Keeble. <laughs> Max Keeble. Max Keeble did nine eleven and chemtrails. <laughs> All right, that's Wild Wild Country Hunters number nine. Okay, so, so num- now number eight. Yeah, my number eight. Speaking of. Uh, interrogative documentaries is american vandal season two mine is two oh really this was actually i i misspoke earlier this is at the 
the last, the top of my bottom tier for my top ten. We can we can go ahead and talk about it because it's my number seven. Ah, let's just okay. Oh, fuck it. Um, yeah, I I really like I really really enjoyed season two. It was still for me. It was a gripping ride. It was fun to watch. It's you know it's hovering around the same area on all our lists. So we probably feel pretty similarly. Last year it was like probably my number three. Yeah, if, last year I had it super super uh, high, and I truly. Like, where did the jokes go? Where'd they go? They're just not there. They are just, there are opportunities where they just do not tell the joke. I, I think that I was right when I initially said, I I don't think these guys want to do comedy forever. I really think they want to break into drama. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is kind of like a a demo reel for what they're capable of because the drama of this season uh, flies to, I would say bigger heights than last season, even if the mystery itself, well, toward the very end, the mystery itself is insane. It's it's beautiful. Well, and they also they make I mean spoilers for season two, but they actually make a choice to tell you who did the thing in this season, which is something that they didn't have in the first think, season. I, first season they leave it pretty open. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think they put open. they they put themselves in a situation where they kind of had to reveal that because the mystery is so complicated. Exactly, you can't really leave it up to the audience to figure it out because there's when so there's many... so many different steps. It's not just yeah. like a one thing of who drew the dicks. Right. It's who did. There are three different stages of this thing that's happening. Yeah. It's essentially out. like three different crimes. Yeah, poop related incidents. <laughs> it's it's still it's really really impressive how they crescendo this insane mystery and the suspense of it all it by the end it was not even trying to be funny remotely i was only missing the comedy in the first half of the season because it there was nothing to replace it it. it kind of catches you off guard that there isn't the comedy yeah and it just the the mystery wasn't at the point of extreme interest yet so it was it was missing a very vital component but then toward the end you were like fuck the jokes And, and i think another another thing we talked about when we had harry on was that uh one of the big missing pieces, like the key building blocks of what made season one so great is that Sam and um, Peter Peter yeah, yeah. were investigating their own classmates. Yeah. And these, that was a huge, huge part about yeah. what made season one work so well. And also these were public school kids with more vibrant personalities and backgrounds instead of a bunch of rich kids who were all hiding something. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they knew these people. Their relationships were better with these people. They they weren't juggling the whole fame thing, uh, which didn't really serve too much of a purpose. Yeah, it well, it worked better in season one when it was like they started getting fame mid season, and then yeah. you see that happen on their own school campus. That was that was what was so impressive about season one was that it goes. Right whenever you think that you're like, oh, well, in real life, this thing would happen, then it actually happens in the show. This show, this season just felt a little bit more boxed in. I feel like another one of those problems is, I mean, Melvin Gregg, the uh, main basketball player for season two, he's good, but he's no Jimmy Tatro. I mean, (laughs) Jimmy Tatro playing Dylan Maxwell in season one was just such an amazing performance that it just, like, we all have met a Dylan Maxwell before. But we've also met a a Kevin, too. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't want to rag on this season too much because I, I think one of the things that makes it so good and why it ended up on my list is because it chose to do something a little bit different than season one and it worked and it ended up being more of a deliberate and poignant statement about social media and about what we expect to get out of uh our 
online relationships like the way they managed to play that into the mystery and to how the students kind of uh put on this 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 layer of like self pressure pressure because of the 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 veil of social media and it it sounds so stupid to say but it it just works in the show that like the horse mask that Kevin puts on like represents the mask that he wears every day yeah. to to try to like fit in yeah. with his fellow classmates and and it kind of represents the mask that kind of everyone wears to mm. to fit in all around. Yeah, it it really like it it bordered on profound toward the end of the season. Um if I were judging all these shows by the end of their seasons, this would be probably number 1 or 2 on my yeah, list. Just that final moment like monologue. Yeah, the whole the whole build is crazy. Where it comes it actually like it comes together for such a complex story. The pieces all line up together. Just like any great f- documentary filmmaking does where it kind of lays out these things and you're like how the fuck does this come together? Like, this is wild. And the loose ends are all tied up a little bit. I mean, you can say they're they're a little bit too neat and tidy, convenient, but I don't think that that's necessarily a fault of this show. Like like you said, like, they made a choice in this season to go more dramatic and lean away from the dick jokes and all that kind of stuff mm. and make it much more serious. And I, I do think that this still, I mean, it still made all of our top 10. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the only thing I was missing is there were a lot of times where they set up jokes and they told it for about a second instead of like just kind of sticking with it when I think they really could have stuck with some of these jokes and milked them. Yeah. I remember you mentioned the, the bit about, investigating the face that kevin makes yeah yeah is like is he trying to hold in a shit or is he trying to shit his pants exactly <laughs> and then they just they just move on in season one that's a whole episode yeah. like yeah. i swear and they it's, have him up on like the whiteboard yeah yeah and they have graphics and diagrams of it and and i was truly missing that but this was still so so fun they're to watch. juggling more pins yeah it was so fun to watch i watched the whole thing in a night still yeah like it, it was still gripping. Um, All right, American Vandal. That's your number eight and my number seven. So what's your number? So eight? my number eight is Versace, or American Crime Story: The Assassination of Gianni Versace. American Crime Story, FX. season two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is season two of American Crime Story anthology. Season one was The People versus O.J. Simpson, which I think is a better season. But the reason why I really love this season in particular is because. They didn't try to recreate the success of what made OJ so great. They kind of took a, a different route to tell a more uh, kind of focused singular story about Andrew Kunanen, uh and what sort of led him to murder Gianni Versace because this man was on a killing spree. He had murdered uh, about maybe five other people before Versace and the way the story is told over the course of these uh, 10, 11 episodes. I, th- I think it's like 10 episodes. Um, they backtrack. So the first episode is him murdering Versace. And then each episode afterwards kind of like tells the story of what happened leading up to that. And it's, it's sort of like a reverse chronological order of storytelling, which I found really, it, it's kind of like a bold move because you know how the story is going to end at the very beginning of the, of the season. And then you right. sort of retrace your steps it's a bold move, but I, I thought it worked. Uh, I thought Darren Chris's performance is absolutely stunning. Oh, yes. Like, he is just this fucking crazed serial killer murderer, and you find yourself, like, kind of sympathizing with him and, like, what led him to 
to become this way. Uh, and it, it touches upon so many themes. Uh, it, there's one episode that focuses on like homophobia in the military and the era, the era of like, don't ask, don't tell. Um, it, it, it just manages to, to really like zero in on every single episode on a specific theme, a specific character, specific arc, all while telling the story of this one man. So it, it, it'll deviate to these other characters, these other victims that his uh, killing spree is impacting, but it'll always come back to him and what he's doing. Uh, the, the cast is sprawling. You've got Ricky Martin, um, Penelope Cruz, Edgar Ramirez, like all these really talented people. It's, strangely, it's uh, South American people playing Italians, which is interesting. It's like all kind of Latin people playing uh, Mediterranean people. Honestly, I won't <laughs> fucking stand for that. It's fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> they think that they know how to say spicy meatball. <laughs> and uh, one interesting thing is uh, uh, Darren Chris is actually of Filipino descent. And Andrew Cunanan is like uh, a son of Filipino immigrants. Yeah. Or was. Darren Chris was really, so, really good. Yeah. So I will say um, I didn't fish. I got about to episode four of the show. The show gets my award for best show that the internet ruined for me because um, after this show came out, Darren Chris gives one of the best performances of the year in any show that I've seen. Um, but then, of course, with the... Uh, tumblr twitter culture that we're in we have everybody just like oh man i just i sympathize with andrew kunana like, <laughs> and it's like no no the whole point of the show is that he's a fucking sociopath and like yeah. you can kind of feel bad for him but i i don't know why people like just no, try they, and like relate to this character of Andrew Cunanan, who's literally a fucking sociopath. Yeah, the, the show there's <laughs> a, some really horrifying moments in some of these episodes that that really give you insight into how how fucked up this man is. Like he manipulates people, he lies all the time. Oh, you yeah. never yeah, know yeah. what he's it, saying. It does utilize from what I was seeing, like some really great unreliable narrator kind of stuff, mm -hmm. where you see stuff. There's like whole episode arcs where you're like is this actually happening or is this how he's seeing it happening but yeah. it's not actually what's going on in the real world yeah there's there's one moment in particular which i i have no there, i don't know if there's any way of knowing if he actually did this but he uh he hung out a lot uh in miami when he was kind of stalking versace uh in, in the south beach miami area and he hung out there and he befriends a lot of like the gay community there and actually max greenfield of new girl fame he has a little bit of an arc there as one of these people that he meets there and he uh, kunana gets uh you know he dips his toes a little bit into the miami uh gay scene and he picks up this older man on the beach takes him up to a hotel room oh my god wraps and then like uh seduces him to the bed and then wraps his head in duct tape so that he, the man is like suffocating and he's like gonna die he's like gonna fucking choke out by duct tape and the way chris plays this whole scene his nonchalantness and playfulness about it all you're like holy fuck this, this is a monster we're yeah. seeing this is a truly horrific monster um i i really enjoy the show that, it was that one of my whole favorites. that scene is incredible because yeah. i did get that far and that scene is unbelievable also shout to darren chris because he actually came out i mean he's winning a bunch of awards and stuff for his performance and he's come out and said that he's not going to take another role like this before because he said that there's 
too many gay homosexual workers in Hollywood right now, and she's and he's not gonna let just him be like another straight man taking away roles from actual yeah. gay characters, and that's huh. that's good for Darren. Yeah, Darren Chris is a great guy. All right, so that's Versace. That's my number uh, eight. Yes, we so. already did number seven. So number s- well, my number seven. Oh, your number seven. There we go. Um, Killing Eve. Okay. Right. Um, wait, we skipped. This is, let's we let's, skip your let's wait a second seven. for Killing okay. Eve. Okay. I think we skipped your number seven, Drew. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I don't even like give a shit. So <laughs> structure. Who gives a shit? You know. Uh, my number seven is the good place. Oh, I did not make my list, Didn't but make we can my talk. We can talk about so, it. So. It's almost weird because I think technically, like the back half of la- of season two, and then the front half of season three. Yeah, that's it's how it was last year <laughs> that we have to kind of evaluate yeah. it with two different half seasons. So that's tricky. However, uh, I really enjoyed the back half of season two better yep. than the front half. And season three, I was kind of rough on it. I I stopped watching it for a few months or a couple of months. Um. I, I just caught up to it. I didn't watch the episode that just came out in 2019. It's brilliant. I know, I know. But it's so I, damn good. I didn't want to let it uh, muddy up my opinion in any way. But the, even the like right before the finale, the you know the break of the first half of season three, it really really picks up. It's the only reason it's not higher is because it can be uneven at times. I went back and actually rewatched it to try to figure this out because it's been really bugging me why this isn't my favorite show. <laughs> um, like I talk about this all the time, um, and I think I figured it out. It's it, I think it might be a writing staff problem. Partially, it is it is because there are just certain episodes where the the circumstance that they have to be in for the entire episode doesn't make for there's not a lot of space for jokes um and that can be kind of jarring when you're watching a show that at other episodes can be extremely dense with their jokes um however there are a lot of episodes that i feel leave a lot of meat on the bone of the episode and i i really think it's a writer thing because there are other episodes where the circumstance isn't like ideal for comedy and they are some of the best episodes i've seen of any comedy so i actually have kind of an analogy for this show um and why it didn't quite make my list but i still love this show is that unlike especially like major network television shows it's not trying to bat a thousand for each of their episodes it treats it more like like a football team. Yeah. They're willing to just kind of stick with the flow and everything, stay in it for like a quarter or a half or whatever, and then the back half, they really give it their all and everything kind of comes together in a way. Yeah. But they're not willing to, or they're not, they don't feel the need that they have to go out there in every episode packet with just like this amazing show full of jokes and all this kind of stuff. They're willing to kind of lie low for like two, three episodes. Well, the, the other aspect of this is what we keep saying about Mike sure knowing exactly where the story yeah. is going and not you gotta you gotta keep that in mind that like these episodes that that for maybe I, I'm gonna speak for you guys and say that like they weren't quite gelling with us the the earth stuff um there's a reason why these episodes are there yeah. they're not just there for filler so I think that even though while we were kind of watching them they weren't clicking now in retrospect, it, it makes sense that um, we needed that time to kind of flesh out the backstories of these characters a little more and like see who they were mm. uh, in their actual lives before they died. Um, they didn't quite knock it out of the park as they have in in 
episodes prior, but it does seem like the show felt it was very, very necessary to give you Tahani uh, reconciling things with her sister and yeah. Kristen Bell with Eleanor with her mother yeah. and Chidi with, um, I guess he didn't, did he meet a, he he did something with his brother or something. Uh, yeah. And then there was Jason with his dad. Yeah. Which was, yeah. Oh, was Donkey Doug. Donkey Doug. Jason, Jason is the breakout of the yeah. show. He's, um, he's unbelievable. I, one thing I wanted to say about this show is that like it's kind of opposite to a lot of other things we watch where it'll be like an okay show or like a bad show even but with like great episodes. I think that this is an amazing show with some off episodes which you don't really think of that much but I think the bigger picture with this show is always better than certain arcs or certain episodes. Yeah. Like if we're just evaluating what I think the best show on TV is, this show is still kind it's still like in my top top tier, but it's just about episode to episode. It doesn't really have the consistency of some of the higher shows. I definitely Almost. agree with you. Uh two yeah, two more flaws that I I definitely noted. So it's a, it is definitely partially a writing staff issue. I'm not going to name names, but I went back and I looked at the names cuz I was I don't even know why I did this. I'm broken. Like per episode. Who's this yeah. guy? Michael Schur. Yeah, what a joke. No, well the thing is Mike Schur is he's very good. He hires people who are new. He hires uh, fresh blue writers looking for an opportunity of uh, very diverse writers he he just hires so many people that have no uh track record of anything and that's how you discover people like megan amram or jen statsky mm -hmm. but that's also how you discover some people that maybe need to get bumped down to the d league for a season or two you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh um, the g league yeah excuse okay. you. so <laughs> we just got fined by the, yeah, NBA that's true. G the, league. the gatorade league yeah <laughs> the, so uh the other two issues i that i definitely noted were i think i mentioned this previously but they part of the high concept of the show is erasing the chemistry of these actors over and over and over again. And it, by season three, I was like, no, I want them to know each other and I want them to like each other by now. I don't want to have to start over so often. I'm I'm over that part. Yeah. Uh, season two was spent with them not knowing each other and then knowing each other. And it was like, OK, OK, OK. You know, uh, at, a, at a certain point, I need my sitcom characters to be best friends and lovers, <laughs> especially because the cheaty Eleanor romance is like finally starting to. Exactly. I'm, I'm buying mm -hmm. it. I'm exactly. Like... It's blossoming. And I I want uh, Janet and Jason to yeah. be together so bad. <laughs> oh, man. So um, so that that became an issue in the beginning of the season. And then. They stopped doing that later on, and so I, I was way back on board by that time. Uh, and then the only other issue I can definitely point out is they. I think that this show would be a lot better if it were on streaming. The The fact that it is so complicated, and they also have to schedule for uh, act breaks, for commercial breaks, around this complicated plot, they also have to like count that in. And every show has a hard limit on minutes instead of just kind of like a flowing limit where they could do, you know, if this was on Netflix, they could do 22 and then 35 and then like 30, depending on how the episode goes. So I, there are things dictating how the show goes that I, this show, if it were free flowing, the show could go fucking bananas. It's not like Seinfeld where it's tailor made for a TV commercial right. thing. Um, so th that is another thing that kind of bothers me when there are just, there are breaks and it's like, this show is so smart and it's, it's carving out its plot. It is sacrificing itself for commercials, for ads. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of frustrates me a little bit. Um, but it's such a good show. Great. <laughs> All right. So okay. that's your number seven. So we're going to swing it back around to your number six, Drew. Oh shit. Okay. Um, my number six is killing Eve. 
Okay, this does not make my list. Wow, you're listening. But I, man. I did finish it last night, and I still think it's great. The ending is a little wonky, yeah. but it tees it off to a second season, which I like. Mm. Um, but yeah, talk about it. Uh, this yeah, this show was a phenomenon. Uh, for you know a month or so, it was it was highly talked about everywhere, and for good reason. Everybody likes Sandra O. Oh. Yeah. Who doesn't like Sandra That's, oh? She's like one of the most likable people yeah. on the face of the earth. I don't, I've never heard like somebody be like, Sandra O, oh, fuck her. No, she she's just, said everyone, that. you know, g- girls loved her already from Grey's Anatomy. Um, and Jodie Comer is also that, yeah, I was going to say, she incredible. is a she so, breakout star. Uh, shouts to whoever the casting agent is for this show because... Sandra O oh was a perfect choice for a relatable female protagonist who is kind of frazzled, but also, you know, a very smart and trying her best. Uh, she checks all those boxes. Jodie Comer, this role, she had to have the most certain look of any character ever. There was no doubt. If this, if she didn't look just like that, then this would not work. She had mm-hmm. to have these crazy, wild, gorgeous, like magnetic, wide set eyes. There's just no other option. And on top of that, she is a great actress. Like it's it's really her performance is astounding. Like because she is playing a psychopath, <laughs> spoiler, um, who also you very mildly want need to empathize with just a little bit in order to be put into Sandra O's oh headspace. Well, and I think that um the show actually did a good because at first, like through the first few episodes, she's just kind of presented as this sociopathic monster. And towards the back half of the season, I think that they did a really good job of like giving her some more character traits and humor. And you, oh, she is she's hilarious. This show is um, very funny. Also, shout out to Fiona Shaw. Who plays um I the, loved her. the <laughs> she was great. MI five like the team head leader. agent. Yeah. Uh Carolyn Martins. She is fantastic. Um yeah, no, I this show was higher on my I feel like the show would have been even higher on my list had I watched it more recently, just because mm. when that, I watched yeah, the show I really loved it. Like it just had kind of everything that I want from a prestige TV drama. It had the humor. It had the character relationships. The episodes, it was short-ish. It was eight episodes of 40 minutes. So that's about as good as it gets for yeah. like peak drama yeah, yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah, this, I have, I just finished this last week. I have a couple of critiques, but none of them take away from the fact that you should definitely watch this show. Uh, it's very fun. It's going to have a season two. It leaves on a cliffhanger. You were right that the ending was... A, a bit muddied up. It was very fun. And well, was, the the seventh episode I think was the big climax, yeah. the penultimate one. That yeah. one would had all the big character moments, all the big emotional peaks. Yeah, almost like Breaking Bad. Yeah, and <laughs> and it's like action packed as fuck. Um, and for some reason, I had in my head that this was a miniseries. So when it ended like that, I was like, wait, 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 wait. And I like <laughs> I like got on the computer. Um, but uh, yeah, just a couple of little things. Like I think logistically, the show could do better in terms of. Once they went to Russia, uh, the plotting got a the little prison stuff. The plotting it got a little bit confusing, uh, and not and even if you like tried to like a couple times, I rewound and was like, "Did I miss something?" And I didn't. It just was confusing. It leaves certain things out. It just it was like, "Oh, this this lady is a full on traitor." Wait, yeah. no, she's not. 
like why isn't she a full-on traitor she is she's meeting with this person they never address it i don't know it's almost like everyone is double crossing each other there yeah yeah and you don't really compl- it's it does get kind of muddled up in those scenes but i just think the highs of the show are just yeah the highs are insane i lo- unbelievable i love the humor of the show it's it's almost it, uh a comedy <laughs> the last i mean the last uh, scene that we have in this series like was something that it should have been like kind of a disappointing like an ah you got me on a cliffhanger like fuck you show and then I really didn't feel that way because it kind of you really don't know where it's going to go in that scene you're like are these two people like lesbian lovers right now like well, what that, is happening yeah. right now like I mean, it's not just in the final episode there's no, 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 so no. much leading there to that. is so much leading to that but then whenever we have that scene there's the, a scene the of bed. them laying in a bed and you're like <laughs> They're gonna fuck. And I like <laughs> I paused the episode whenever I got to it. I was like, this episode's about to wrap up. Um What? Yeah. <laughs> so another thing uh that it kind of bothered me not t- too much. They did they flipped the sw- the script in the same way that a wrinkle in time did stay with me. Uh where instead of great comp instead so far, of the uh female love interest being like totally un- underwritten and like not even underwritten, but just like shat on and serving no true purpose they made the the husband it's yeah it's, the husband has nothing to do well, with the show. yeah and it's not even that he has nothing to do it's just that like i almost hated sandra oh for how she treated him well yeah. i mean we have one scene to give him character development which is like him with like the old people playing bingo or whatever yeah, and, that's, all, all and we, you're like ah this guy's a good guy the only <laughs> yeah the only thing about him is that he is a good guy and she just keeps on just fucking him over over and over and we love her and she's our surrogate she's our person and yet i w- that separated me from her which is the one thing you can't do when you're following one main protagonist is i there were times where i was like you know i don't want to follow you right now yeah. sandra you made me angry you were mean <laughs> go fuck you your were, husband you were a little meanie um this show also if i can give it an award it gets the award for um poster that i could easily make myself on a computer <laughs> this poster kind of sucks yeah. the actual background of it is fine but then you have like this like bland blocking font that yeah. you're like what well, here, here's a Is question this, like a pretty high budget show <laughs> they couldn't get a better poster bbc america man come know. on how, here's the question how much money does bbc america throw around well i mean they have like sherlock and stuff like they have some pretty high well, that's, end that's, shows. that's just bbc though right what is BBC? Right. Am- oh, what is yeah. BBC, BBC America? It's a different brand. Like, does Dirk Gently have a big budget? Uh, I mean, they, they do they a have lot some with decent small... special effects and stuff. Because yeah. there. there were times where it's not that they were shot poorly, but they were shot on a budget mm-hmm. in this show. There, and maybe it is because the show was not. A, it still unlike, looked great. Unlike. Um, for example, the good place which we were talking about, which makes the most out of not having like whenever they have to do like a quote unquote action sequence or something, it's something so over the top and like clearly faked that it's just kind of it adds to the humor itself. Yeah, this yeah. show doesn't really leave way for something like that to happen. Yeah. Um. And then it is this is a a very comedic show but there were a few points where i felt like it brushed over some extremely big dramatic moments in lieu of going for humor uh usually uh, that's not a huge deal for me because i like humor almost more than drama but if you compare this to another show because this is a show that is like verging on a very top echelon of of tv it's like event television in an era where that's dying uh but shows on the the tier above this 
they let their moments play out in a way that makes your skin like feel what's happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can you can critique Breaking Bad, but if there was a dramatic moment, you would feel that moment for like an hour after you watch the show. Yeah. And I was missing that a little bit with this show. I but agree. It's it's so much funnier than I thought it would be. Uh, Jodie Comer is a breakout. Sandra Oh is the uh, hell yeah award for me of just like yeah yeah put her in it yeah put her put her in whatever let her host the Globes even though you, you know get, that's uh, almost misusing <laughs> anybody. You get a Jonathan's uh, from Queer Eyes. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> that sounds like appropriate. No, it's not. <laughs> I I I love Queer Eye. It, I really wanted to put this on that yeah. that show. All right, we we gotta we gotta yeah, move yeah, it yeah. along because we're about we're just about halfway through the list. So that's Killing Eve. That's you guys number six and seven. Uh so now we're at you're, you're my number, number six, six, which is Succession. Oh, save it. Okay, what is your number six, Hunter? My number six is BoJack Horseman. Save it. Right. Whoa! Yeah, no Ooh, fucking lie, dude. Okay, your number five, Drew. My number five is Big Mouth. Nice. This does not make my list. I know, and it didn't. I don't think it made you guys list last year either. This is a show that I'm just going to keep writing for. I, I really, really, for a long time, I was missing a show like this. South Park has gone a little stale. Family Guy went stale ten years ago. Uh, the Simpsons went stale fifteen years ago. And I, this show, BoJack, is it's 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 a whole other thing it is it's singular it it juggles a whole different set of balls if you will Mm -hmm. uh this show fills the gap for me this show is what i want to watch when i want to watch something like i really could talk myself into putting this higher just in terms of my favorite shows there wasn't an episode that i didn't enjoy watching there it's a flawed show it's not perfect but have you rewatched any? Uh, yeah, I did. I rewatched a few just because I was in the mood. Do you do you find like little bits and jokes that you didn't find the first time? Well, that's the thing with any comedy, uh, especially a comedy that's really going ver- like, you know, steering straight into the wall of absurdity. <laughs> they're going to take bits too far. Like that's what Family Guy always did. But you enjoy it because they're trying or at least I do. I love and I love it when stand-ups do that too. When they, you know, they make a big swing. Some it doesn't always connect, but this show, season two, I think was a lot better. It even it includes dramatic elements. I feel like I didn't mention that enough because I was comparing it to BoJack, which includes a lot more dramatic elements. Mm-hmm. This show has it too. It just interweaves it in a way that it's it's a lot more natural for me. Like it feels it doesn't get dramatic just because it feels like it has to. It does because the plot takes it there. And I think season two focuses more on Nick than uh yeah adam uh andrew andrew um yeah it does i think the writing is better in season two i think that they had a firmer grasp on what they were doing the animation still sucks but i that doesn't bother me like it does a lot of people um a lot of people are just like man i can't watch that the way it looks it's like well they don't care that's not what they're making it they're making they're not making it to be like the visual yeah stupor uh but yeah i just all around the show is doing exactly what it wants to do uh, and it's doing what I want it to do. I love a show about puberty. I love a show about middle school. And I I just love a dumb, joke, extremely joke-heavy, absurd comedy. Cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I One of my favorite things was David Thewlis as the shame monster. I I love yeah. that. See, I had to be sold on that character because, <laughs> as I said, there are too many characters in this show. Uh, he, he was great but but well when he had his own episode i was like oh shit this yeah. is, they had to put him in there yeah uh so that's big mouth that's true's number five my number five is better call saul 
Uh, this was my number two last year. This is the best show that I didn't, I never watched. Yeah, this is my. Hey, listen, mom, I, I just have so much I'm supposed to watch <laughs> for the podcast. I, I'm getting to it. This this show, I think, uh, and. Andy Greenwald was the one who described this as like admiring the fine stitching on a luxury armchair. Like it's <laughs> yeah. so it sounds detailed. like something that he would say. <laughs> it's so detailed that like it revels in these like very mundane moments. And uh, this latest season gave us the the true like full on dawn of Saul Goodman. Like it it had been coming for a while now. And now in, in season four, we finally get, or is this five? No, this was four. Uh, we finally get like the slimy uh, criminal lawyer guy that, that we've been waiting for. He's not, a, he's not a lawyer yet. It's the season. For this season, his law license has been revoked. So he's doing like sketchy, slimy stuff on the side while he's uh, suspended from being a lawyer. And the the whole relationship between him and Kim with his his girlfriend, it it just it's it's one of the greatest depictions of relationships that that you can have in a show like this, where one character is falling deeper and deeper into into moral uh, bankruptcy, and this other character like loves him so much and has a sweet a, a soft spot for that sort of thing because she likes the the sketchiness like that's why they love each other the, there were so many moments where they had just a good time like swindling people at bars and like getting them to write them checks by lying to them and she likes that but she's seeing jimmy aka saul like embrace that mm. and she kind of wants to save him but you can see that she is like uh she she is falling a little too deep she's in way over her head by just staying with him when she could easily leave and her performance Ray Sheehorn is tremendous now that uh Michael McKean is gone because his character uh left the show at the end of season three wow, this, is, this is her this is her playing field now uh we also get amazing work from Giancarlo Esposito and Mike Ehrmantraut because that's a whole oh. different show within the show uh it this is almost like two parallel prequels playing see out. that's the thing now i now that i hear oh shit gus is in there yeah all the, now that all these people are in there i'm like fuck the, I gotta the watch. whole gotta get in. the whole uh storyline that plays out between them in this season is how they built the super lab how uh gus built that underground meth lab they had to like dynamite like blow all of these giant like you have to holes. you have to stop spoiling <laughs> I'm getting too hard. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great show. I I love it. It's tremendous. Everything about it is firing in all cylinders. The performances, the writing, the editing, the music. It's great. It's Finn Skilligan. It's it fucking rules. It's better call Saul. It's my number five. Uh Hunter, you're number five. My number five is succession. Great. We're gonna have to wait. Oh, okay. 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 So you're number four, Drew. Is succession. Okay. <laughs> so we wait for that. You're welcome. Um so this was my number six. So six five four. Yeah, All right. Uh, we we talked about the show at length. It was one of those shows we talked about every episode or two or three. Uh, so there's not a lot more to go over, but this show is, I think, thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I have to just shout out to Jesse Armstrong for just putting this show together. That really, we it shouldn't work. Uh, I mean, none of these characters are likable. These are all like despicable people that are 
rich and unrelatable to the common man. And the fact that they were able to make this show so much fun and also so dramatic is just credit to the writing staff and also credit to Adam McKay, who is a, I listened to a recent interview they did with Bill Was Simmons. He, involved, he kind of, he actually, because he directed the pilot, he right. made most of the casting choices like alongside, um, Jesse Armstrong. So he was there. He was talking about how um, they originally, uh, fun fact, they originally were auditioning Kieran Culkin's character, uh, auditioning him to play Kendall instead of Roman. And as soon as they they did the whole interview and everything with him, they're like, no, this guy's Roman. No, (laughs) he's he's Roman. Yeah, Roman has that. And Jeremy Strong is unbelievably good in this show. He's amazing. Sarah Snook as. Shib yeah. is amazing. I love Shib. Matthew McFadden. Tom, Tom, is yeah. that Tom? Tom. Ruck? Yeah, Tom. Tom is a god. Tom is, Tom Tom is, is the, the MVP god. of the show. Tom and Greg. <laughs> yeah. They sound like a morning radio duo. <laughs> uh, they are. They're my dream couple. I'm writing fan fiction they're, as we yeah, speak. Yeah, about they're them. shipped. They're, they're shipped, and that's the T. They're shivved. Everyone else is canceled. <laughs> Shiv is canceled. This was such a good show to just devour. Like the, the writing, the acting. The emotional gravitas of what this family is grappling with. Yeah, I enjoyed waiting weekly for this show because, in a lot of ways, this show is a throwback. So it felt right to wait uh, for the, for the next episode. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah, the show was just you know there are critiques on, I guess, who it focuses on. Uh, the thing it's it's kind of this duality because in order to take down the super rich, you have to focus on them. But if you're focusing your television on a, a series of rich people you're going to have to relate to them on some level and that it might have detriments. It might be detrimental to your main point. Well, I feel like a lot of people who had problems with the show couldn't get past the first couple episodes because I'll admit, I mean, I watched the first two episodes and I was just like, ah, I'm kind of on the fence about this show. It really took until about episode three, episode four that then I was just like, well, especially right. episode two, because that's the hospital episode. Yeah. It's It kind of grinds to a halt. It grinds to a halt. It's just a bunch of rich people talking about what they're going to do with assets. And you're like, I don't know if I give a shit about this show. That's kind of the only reason why it's not higher on my list is that it does take a few episodes to get going. But then it's like midway through the season, episode three, four, you're like, all right, yeah, I'm kind of in. By like episode six, you're just like, it's I was the like, of no confidence. I'm all in on the yeah. show. I am all in. And from that, every episode after yeah. six on. Then we the get, yeah, we get Austerlitz great. and we get Prague. And that's like, that's a one two punch of just like great, mm. like emotional family drama stuff. And then like the fucking weirdo comedy that we get yeah. in Prague. Yeah. In that crazy club. You the, swallowed the your own load? <laughs> yeah, it was hot. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's... Some of the funniest shit that I've seen on TV this year. Definitely. Some great... Yeah, great comedy. Uh, there are a few episodes that fell a little bit flat for me, just in t- if we're talking about perfection. You know, this is definitely an imperfect show, but man, it is so enjoyable. That it's finale, so fun to watch. too. It, I, th- I do find myself thinking about what Harry said often when he came on the podcast about uh, how he wanted it to be about Kendall on the top and then his his dad grappling for the power however that would change the central dynamic of the show so the thing is we just don't know how that would be because right now what we have is we're rooting even though they're everyone's rich we're rooting for david to 
take down Goliath. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I mean, at the moment, he is lower than he's ever been. Well, I think Harry also didn't uh, vibe with the addiction subplot, the the whole Kendall storyline there. He didn't vibe with the fact that Kendall ended up lower than he started. He wanted Kendall to only rise. Uh, and that is an interesting point because what if the, the I think the because then we would have a shark chase show where it's it's a human swimming and you know that the shark is faster yeah. and the shark is going to catch him. And right. th- that would be interesting, too. Uh, right now we have David Goliath, but that that would be cool, too. It's I don't know. Yeah, well, there I is mean, a season two coming. So yeah, I mean, we'll especially see. with how the season one ended, I think it ended on like a perfect note where. It was kind of this, I mean, it's kind of a rich person fantasy of just being able to do all these things, uh, kind of live outside of reality, be able to, I mean, abuse drugs, do whatever they want, yeah. bring other people into their lives and then just have no regard for Destroy them. And it finally, it finally catches up with him and that has real genuine consequences mm-hmm. and it kind of resets the playing field again for season two so yeah and we haven't even mentioned Alan Ruck yeah Alan Ruck <laughs> yeah. is in this Connor Dude. 2020 yeah whose character is a distillation of my favorite theme of the show which is that it's not just the pursuit of wealth or power it is just being around it and having it not even by your own accord is toxic and which, deciding you're going to run for president just because you're bored yeah which is you have nothing else to exactly do. you're which like is, well I just won like a 30 second debate with this presidential candidate it so yeah i'm pretty i'm I'm better than him yeah it's just about the it's this trumpism but in like the ultimate satirical kind of way and that's that's why the show was made at this particular time it was sold as a takedown of current events in particular so it makes a lot of sense that this show exists now it's timely and it's great all right so that's succession um our number six five and four so that's my time for my number four which is barry uh save it okay because it's my number four. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, guess what? Save it. And this time, actually save it. Oh, oh okay. All right. <laughs> What's um, your number four? Or your number three? Yeah, you? my number three is actually BoJack Horseman. Wow. Yes. Really high. So, okay, nice. Yeah, this is a show that I, f- I find myself... It's one of those shows that I find myself critiquing, even though I love it so much. Um, and I think that's just because... When, when a show is near perfection, you, you really want perfection out of it. And that's not fair. Um, I, I, di- I also rewatched some of this instead of, you know, I don't know, watching another show <laughs> like I should have. Uh, and when this show is on all cylinders, I think it has a case for the best show on television. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think especially this season. Yeah. This season is my favorite season of it. I think this is the show living up to its potential. Um, it. The comedy of the show is, you know, like I said, it comes from probably four or five different sources, like base sources of how comedy works, which is rare. Um, It's like that and Nathan for you are the only two modern examples I can think of that do such a thing. Uh, And then it juggles extreme tragic drama and not even the reason I like this season is because. A, we don't focus on Bojack so much until the end of it. And I love I love following other characters around on this show because this show has a very diverse cast of writers, a lot of women writing the show. And so you get to illuminate characters who would usually just be like, ah, eh, you know, she's there. Uh, and so we get episodes that are not like tragic, but are just simply sad, funny and sad and not trying really hard to be like, I'm depressed. you know because that's when the show bothers me a little bit when it just is like it's almost soapboxing a little bit 
um, when it doesn't need to because you can it, the show can say such profound things about mental health and addiction without having to explicitly say those things because the writing staff of this show is so strong it's unbelievable this show is funnier than anything and it can really hit you in your in your uh well the heart. the story that was told in this fifth season it's it's poignant and just so heartbreaking and we've had we spent so much time with bojack that we know exactly like how terrible he is and finally seeing these terrible things like catch up to him and and basically like tear him down and break him down uh it it really packs an emotional punch i honestly did not think that this show still had more headroom to keep improving i thought i had seen everything that it could do and and the best it could it could be but i i honestly i do agree that this is the best season and i did not expect that i was really impressed i mean the show has something that the best uh tv movies whatever media has which it's both timely and also timeless yeah. it feels like of a certain time the whole episode of bojack becoming a feminist <laughs> like that whole being a thing and this like such backhanded thing that it's so surface level that it feels like something that yes it's of a certain time but also these themes are something that have always existed in society and are going to continue existing in society especially in hollywood um this i love the whole filbert episode that's probably my favorite episode of this entire season where the one Bojack where becomes it. so obsessed with this character he goes like full method <laughs> because he's just so fucked up on all these different drugs yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. it leads to him strangling a cast member like it's on camera up. like it's yeah. it's honestly it's so hard to watch it's like kind of gut wrenching which is you're watching a fucking cartoon like it's like amazing that they're able to do these things and unlike um some other shows that we talked about that kind of sacrifice comedy this doesn't really sacrifice any of the comedy the physical humor is still there and the animal puns the animal puns are like better than they've ever (laughs) been too like it's not like they had to sacrifice one for the other the fact that the show can be like truly laugh out loud hilarious and then make you like cover your mouth in astonishment at within one episode arc. I mean, I think that that is just incredible. Yeah. So yeah. good. In so fact, good. I'm going to do something unprecedented in the history of we bought a mic. I'm going to move the show up right now. No, you can't do that. It's too late. I did it. Nope. It's too <laughs> to late. what? Number two. Okay. It's not, it's not my number one, but it's just like talking about it. I don't, I, I go hard on it mm. simply because I know how good the show is. And, the standard for it is so high because they've made it that high. Uh, the only thing I could say is some like I want, especially toward the end of the season after Bojack did what he did, I almost wanted even less of him simply because it's it's the thing of like I don't know. It it just became morally murky of like well obviously we have to forgive him because he's our guy, he's our protagonist, yeah, and he can you know he can learn his lesson and everything, but I don't know. Well, yeah, still, it doesn't point, change yeah. the. Yeah. actions that he's already committed yeah exactly at, at this i mean we talked about this when we had harry on i i think the the only way it can go from here is for him to like truly truly reckon with what he's done exactly and like we're getting we're getting some sort of rehab plot next season and, and yeah. we'll see how that goes here's here's my prediction for next season is they uh i don't i don't remember exactly how it ended in terms of his job situation but 
I think that it would be great if they did a parody of what happened with Roseanne. Don't you think? Oh, where okay. they, they end up having like the Bojacks, but without Bojack yeah. or whatever. That'd be interesting. Um, so this was so now you, you changed to number two. I'm bumping it. Yeah. What what number was this for you, Hunter? I had this at number. I had it at number six. Okay. Here, I, this this does feel a little bit low, but I had it at yeah. number ten. Uh, so it did make my list. It just right at the bottom there. I I. I had to make sure it actually made the list because it's a it's a great show. Um but so what so you're bumping two down to three? Is that supposed to I happening? think I am. Okay. And what is it? My number three now is uh Barry. Okay. Barry. This so, was our number fours. Yep. Oh, okay. Um well then yeah, we're on the same page here. Barry. Uh, the reason I bumped it down is because if there's anything I can say poorly about the show is that it did take a little while to blossom yep. for me. Uh, the first half of the season, I was still in. I trusted Bill Hader and Alec Berg. I, most of the episodes I really enjoyed. There were there were just a couple episodes that I feel... The tone was a little incoherent. Yeah, they were, they were trying to figure it out, particularly with the comedy. It was very broad, and it didn't feel like it fit... Uh, and then I, you know, the ship was just righted and it just toward by the end, it was like on a straight path. It knew exactly what it was doing. And that's why I put it so high, because in terms of what I'm looking forward to next season, this is almost like number one for me. Well, and oh, I mean, where is it going to go the way? It yeah, ends? exactly. exactly. Holy that's, shit. that's why I, I mean, just like we were talking about with Bojack, that this can be laugh out loud funny. And then also just like truly appalling. It's just all in one episode. I think that this really has that. I mean, Bill Hader is, I think he might give my favorite performance of any actor this year. I agree. I really it's think fair. that it's, I mean, even over like, some of the guys who we're going to talk about in my number one show, um, I just think that he gives such an unbelievable performance, and Henry Winkler is so good in this. It, like he's just like you watch this, and it reminds you that Henry Winkler was at one point in time. He still is, but he was like the greatest actor on the planet, <laughs> and this really kind of reminds you of everything that he brings. Yeah, he just like whenever he comes on the screen, it's like you just kind of like want to smile a little bit seeing his presence. <laughs> yeah, and there, he's and he's, he's so good and so charming. Yeah, and he's truly being himself. Yeah. most of the time, <laughs> and he can empathize with his character a lot because he talks about this. I, I think it was on the Bill Simmons podcast, but post Happy Days, he was not getting roles. He never felt to the depths of just like you know being poor or whatever because he always had happy days residuals but he was not like there was just a question of what do we do with this guy he played the coolest character there's ever been he's so beloved yet if you look at him he doesn't look like if he takes off the leather jacket he looks like just a guy so there's just it was like a weird murky thing which happens to so many actors of just like what we don't quite know what to do with you so when he's auditioning you can I, I really feel like you can feel that. Um and then with Bill, I've I've been a lifelong fan of Bill. Oh yeah. Since I, I was mean, I think since I was twelve, he's been one of my all time. I've been favorites. Uh, going back through because now on Hulu they have like season thirty through the current days of mm. SNL and I've just been going back through and watching all of that mid two thousands cast and it's so good. Like yeah. and he is like you watch old SNL stuff and you're like 
he's I mean not to say not to put down any of the other characters but even like I love Will Forte and those guys but Bill Hader you can tell that he is somebody special and like he's going to go on to do special special things he directed a few of these episodes he helped write a bunch of them yeah he he, co-created yeah Yeah. he was one of the showrunners for the show and And, I mean he talked about how exhausting that was for him mm -hmm. that he doesn't ever want to do that again like that much work yeah and and this was always his ultimate goal that's what separates him from a lot of performers is he didn't even want to be a performer yeah he wanted to make things. and we we got to shout out some of the uh the supporting cast here. sarah goldberg sarah goldberg Stephen rue anthony kerrigan glenn flesher oh. darcy carden uh, yeah darcy. Uh, there's just there's so much like good stuff in in the just the the acting classes alone yeah i those were some of my favorite scenes is like seeing uh barry like you know you know that he's dealing with crazy violent shit in his other life and he's trying to find a way to channel that into his his acting Mm -hmm. and at the beginning he's like actively terrible and it's not until the very end of the season where he finds a way to like truly channel the horrors of his assassin life into his acting and it all just pays off in one of the most incredible emotional scenes in any show this year like that whole freak out he has after the the, I don't want to spoil it if, if you listeners haven't seen it, but he there's an event that happens in a car with a friend that is like this really intense, intense scene. One of yeah. the best scenes of the year. So good that I, I watched it and I had to rewind and watch it again yep. because I could <laughs> the not same believe thing, it, You can't believe seeing. that it's happening because it's a point when there's – you reach that point where there's kind of uh, irreversible – thing that you see in this character i mean anti-heroes have played a big part on all of our lists here that we have yeah. on here as kind of traditionally unlikable characters but yeah barry is just he's he's so such a great show such an amazing show yeah, yeah. and and the the wackiness of the the russian uh yeah. guys <laughs> like noho and gorzon and all of the the harrowing violence that happens there the raid episode all that shit there, there's just so much to love here uh, with just the whole assassin side and then everything else is just like layers and layers of goodies mm. uh that just it makes these one of the yeah, best shows the, of the year I, the best shows uh like i wanted to shout out better call Saul for this too they they find actors who you may have seen them in one thing or another they don't quite have a look they don't quite have a, a certain role that they're definitely like suited for and they f- they put him in the perfect spot, um, like the the guy who plays that lawyer, uh, like the gray haired lawyer on um, Better Call Saul, not Michael McKean, the younger one. Ooh, yeah. He is he's in the pilot episode of The Shield, uh, and his whole purpose is to be a guy who gets shot at the end of the pilot <laughs> of The Shield. His name is Patrick Fabian. Yeah. Just so shows like this, they just they just find the right fucking people, and I yeah, it's a big shout out, Sarah Goldberg. I mean, God love her. She's so incredibly good. Uh, she doesn't quite have like this stunning look that you would want from like a female protagonist because there's a standard set for them that's totally unfair. But she is perfectly cast. All right, so that's Barry. That's our number four. Andrew's number three. After some editing, uh, <laughs> you uh, okay? So now we're at number three, which my number three is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Same. Mine nice. is too. I didn't watch it, but listen, it would be on my list. I'm woke too. 
Guys, it, this show is so fucking It's so good. good. It's I don't so know good. why we slept on this show for so long. I, I just, this show is fantastic. Rachel Brosnahan, shout out to Tony Shaloub. Tony Shaloub, Monk himself, is a star, especially in season two. He gets some of the biggest laughs. Of oh, Shaloub is a god, man. Anybody. Um, there's a whole, it's like a three episode arc where they go to like the, the rich, yeah, they go to like the rich Jewish version of the Hamptons, which is like this <laughs> summer camp for rich Jews that you spend like two months at. Awesome. And Tony Shaloub has a morning routine yeah. where he like does. He warns everybody, he's just like, <laughs> stretches I, I do, in a I romper. Do calisthenics uh, before the sunrise as I go. Out to the dock, and I should warn you, I'm I'm gonna be wearing a romper. It's very you know tight. What a romper is? It's very tight. You're gonna see a lot of things. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I, he's he's an absolute god. I don't know if you guys watched Monk when he was I on, I but. did, and like I mean, it that's not a good show, but he is amazing in it. It was an okay show. It's it's, it's not good. <laughs> one Emmys, not great. It won so, a lot of Emmys. I think season one of Maisel is a revelation, and I was not expecting season two to match up to that. To like the layer, the the level of like filmmaking and directing perfection with like all these long takes and the theatrical blocking and the music and the writing and all of this. I think season two totally matches it. I don't know if it ex- quite exceeds it, but I I found myself like really connecting to the the just the grind of the the stand up like how she is she basically keeps saying that she wants this to be a career but it's not easy like it's not she's not going to have a good set every time it's not yeah, going to be the most glamorous shows every time and I, it, there is a like a uh there is a layer of like unpleasantness yeah i mean it's it has a realism that you that is true to what actual stand-up comedians are is that even the best people bomb um which i think that my favorite performer of this entire show alex borstein who plays Susie myerson her manager she is (laughs) she is really my favorite part about this entire show like she is in the catskill she's carrying that that plunger she's just carrying around a plunger and she's just like well this is my ticket in i just carry this around and people think that i'm a worker here so (laughs) it's so good like her character gets a lot lot more to do in season two as um Miriam is kind of taking off uh in this whole whole bit with the two guys that try to like abduct her and murder her yeah she becomes best friends friends with them she's just like oh yeah you're from this oh man i'm from that area too (laughs) um they just go hanging out down there my favorite um guest star performance of the entire year goes to luke kirby playing lenny bruce yeah he's tremendous he shows up in a few episodes here and there in season one and season two he is so good and if you've ever like seen lenny bruce like this is perfect casting yeah for i this have character. I, like, I looked it up when i saw him in because i saw like the second episode the he's whole in. Yeah. mannerisms that he has um mm-hmm. his kind of nonchalantness with the obscene mm-hmm. is very genuine to the real life lenny bruce who had warrants and different cities all around the country because you would talk about stuff that nobody else that you weren't allowed to talk about yeah yeah and i kind of i love how this show is it feels very period in the best kind of way um like it's 1958 1959 when you can't just 
go around making jokes about vaginas Pregnancy. or interracial marriage. Or, yeah, there's a whole thing in the season finale where she just says something about like talking about her friend being pregnant and she gets kicked off of stage for it because yeah. they're like, nobody wants to hear that. That's private woman stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What? It's <laughs> this kind of world that you live in of complete lack of equality that this show really uh, revels in. Yeah, and this is the difference between Maisel and uh, Crashing. Because, like we were talking about, Crashing is a non-essential show because it tells a story that has been told. This show, you know, it's loosely based on real a, a real woman. Am I wrong? I'm not sure it is. I, I know Lenny Lenny it's... Bruce is definitely de- well, a real person. Even if it's not, it's a very loose thing. And that's why it's so interesting because it's, it, it's, a, it's a story that breaks ground and a story that, like, takes the time to not just be like, oh, hey – this happened to me, so it's you know it's probably pretty easy for mm-hmm. Pete to write crashing because it happened to him. Right. This is something that didn't necessarily happen to anyone fully, so it's a show that actually requires writing. Yeah. Um, and you can tell I've only seen a couple episodes, but it has writing. Well, aside from all the topical, <clears throat> timely, poignant stuff, just the sheer like actual filmmaking of it, the costumes, the 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 long takes, the camera movement, yeah. the way the lines are de- delivered, the blocking. Yeah, I wanted to say because actors. Um, I had this on in uh, Gaia, my girlfriend, like was kind of turned off by the way that they talk because it's very Sorkin-esque. It's, it's sh- lots yeah, it's of, showy. It's very, very, it's I like compare it to like Sorkin or even like something like 30 Rock. People all talk quick and they all talk smart to each other and they talk like this and they're trying to get their lines out and they're talking back and forth with each other just like this because yeah. they have so much to well, say. Well, this is and, by the woman who made Gilmore Girls. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but it's more than that, like, between Amy Sherman Palladino, who was the showrunner and the head writer and everything, and her husband, Daniel Palladino, who direct almost every episode of this entire series, the direction in this show is incredible. And I actually think that season two is probably, I might give it like a half notch better than the direction in season one, just because there was a couple of different episodes just kind of throughout the season um I know there's at least two different shots in the Catskills area where, like, it would go on for, like, four minutes Without of cutting. so much movement. And I was just like, wait, we haven't cut yet. And so yeah. I had to, like, reverse back and, like, rewatch everything. And you just see – and it's unbelievable how they do it if they just use just – a low wide angle or something that it looks like people are walking into the camera, like yeah. how they actually block this all thing. It's um, unbelievable how cool. they do it all. So I wanted to ask you guys something. Uh, Cause I, on Twitter, I follow uh, Emily Nussbaum. She is the, I think she's the New Yorkers television mm-hmm. critic. And she, I, it shocks me that she doesn't love this show. And the reason she doesn't is because of almost what you're describing. She, she feels the writing has a certain smugness to it of, I am a smart writer. Look at how smart well, I am. Okay, I think that that can be, it's it's Aaron Sorkin. I feel yeah. like if you don't like Sorkin movies and dialogue, like if you like watch The Social <clears throat> Network and you're like, human beings don't communicate like this, <laughs> then you're probably going to have an issue with the actual writing of this show because it's written in a very, very similar I just, way. I kind of uh, turn my like, theatrical play brain on and i view it as like a stage play yeah it really is like a stage play yeah well that and that's the what the difference is like now there's you know there's been a wave of naturalism in theater but theater historically is extremely you know it's a show it is not a depiction of of real events it is a like 
da 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 yeah. like it has that feel to it. Uh, and that's well, that's why I think that this show would be a lot better than Gilmore Girls because with Gilmore Girls, that writing has like no purpose for. It's just like girls just. It's just people talking and like living totally normal lives, being like da 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 da, and it's like okay, okay, we don't this. It's a clash with this show. It makes sense because it's showy. It feels theatrical because it with the costuming and the period and everything. So I think that it would jive better. And from what I saw, it did jive well, better. Well, the, the long takes lend themselves to that because the way the actors are directed, they're they're not performing to meet like cuts, you know, like mm-hmm. cut to between medium close-ups. It's a lot of wides and they have to – they memorize their lines in, in Broadway style, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Zachary Levi, who comes That's, into the, the the fold as the new love interest, I was Benjamin. Say, yeah, yeah, I He's don't a Broadway get, boy. I don't want to get too into spoilers and everything since you haven't caught up on the show. But in the first episode, it's revealed that Joel, uh, Midge's husband, is... Uh, cheating was having an affair with the secretary and everything. So of course they have already they're kind of separated in their relationship. And then we have Zachary Levi come in as the Benjamin character. He's Sheldon, perfect. He's who's a doctor. Be, he's rich. Yeah, who's going to be Shazam tall. next year? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's about to be like a huge star, and he's just in this as a love interest. And it it kind of has this uh, vibe that kind of comes up in season two where it's. Midge kind of has to weigh uh, a new relationship versus her career and the ability to go touring and actually make something, make a name of herself and kind of what that weight is going to do. And it's something that I think is even going to carry into season three, especially based on the way that season two ends. Yeah, which is I wasn't very... a huge fan of the very end. I wasn't because, okay, so one thing I want to give credit to this show um, because – Michael Zegan, who plays Joel Maisel, um, he is a character who, in the very beginning of the show, I was like, I hate this guy. Oh, like, yeah. I love him as an actor, but like he's, I this is kind of a despicable character. Yeah, we don't need to spend and time with him. This show really spends the time to make you care about him as a character. Even, and I'm at the point where I don't want Joel and midge to get back together but i want both of them to be successful independently of each other i thought the joel character was much improved in season two. Oh yeah i mean they much, give him they give him a lot more work with that's why i think season two even improved upon season one in a lot of ways well season one did a lot of the heavy lifting of trying to uh actually establish these characters and then towards the end of the season uh bring kind of some of the secrets into light that people are all hiding from each other. Uh, season two had a little bit more of a playground to kind of work with. And the fact that they can do just a multi-episode arc in the Catskills, yeah. which something that whenever it was first established, I was like, oh, please just be like a one episode off thing. And then we can get back to the main story and everything. But spend multiple episodes there and it's great. And it still advances the plot. It's yeah. not just a complete one off to show like a funny episode or something like that. One more quick thing. The shot, the episode where they go to that artist's uh, loft and he shows uh, Midge his painting yep. and we don't see it. And it's a continuous long take. This whole, it, each one of them has a monologue admiring the painting that shot itself is one of the greatest scenes of the year. Yeah. It was beautiful. And it's it's perfect. They made the genius move of because this is supposed to be a painting that no one in the world has ever seen except for Picasso. And Picasso said that it made him never want to paint again. No, uh, Jackson was, Pollock. Or Jackson Pollock. And they thought he said that it was the most beautiful thing he had ever seen and he never wanted to paint again after seeing this thing. And 
the fact that you don't see it either. It doesn't leave us to interpret the painting ourselves. Mm-hmm. You just see the back of it, and you see the two of them on each side talking at each other. I love that. It's so beautiful and so masterfully done. All right, so that's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's our number three. Drew's number two was Bojack after some editing. and <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> we just have to point out that you broke the rules. You're, you're being condescending. <laughs> <laughs> My number two is Homecoming. My number two as well. Yep. Uh, I didn't watch it. Yeah, we 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 talked about this. I don't want to get too into it because I want people to experience it. I want Drew. Okay, to well, watch no, it. listen, get into it. I'm gonna go uh, take a dump, and we'll we'll regroup. All right, so let's get into spoilers for Homecoming because we haven't actually talked about the. I, I want to talk about overall thoughts, but I do kind of want to get into yeah. So towards but, the end of before the show. before we actually get into spoilers, I really really recommend this show. It stars Julia Roberts on Amazon Prime. It's tremendously directed probably the best directing of the year from sam esmail and it's this like really tense conspiracy thriller that just keeps you second guessing yourself and like what is actually going on with this homecoming facility this ptsd veteran thing uh i loved it i think it's amazing uh but now going into spoilers like i thought the ending when uh we finally see the uh the the current timeline julia roberts sort of grapple with everything remembering everything i mean obviously uh we have that episode what is it episode eight the whole realization uh with the eight aspect, or nine yeah aspect ratio oh, yeah, change that's one of the best shots of, of the year like oh. we see this this editing work between the shea wingham character and julia roberts when they're in the same facility we don't know if they're like in alternate realities or something we don't know what's going on it's cutting between the two of them exploring the facility and then boom we get this realization where julia roberts finally remembers everything the screen expands the aspect ratio fills up the whole screen and it was just the perfect way to show you like she remembers everything yeah it was kind of it was just everything coming to light and it explained i mean because we're stuck with this certain aspect ratio throughout the entire season just kind of showing the present time wondering what exactly it meant other than just kind of separating the past from the present Mm -hmm. timelines and then whenever you see these worlds collide in that kind of way realizing that she has just been sedated self-sedated to the point that she's that was a great reveal when we find out that she did it to herself that was yeah because that's not something that you expect to see but it's it becomes this kind of coping mechanism the same way that they're forcing a coping mechanism on these ptsd survivors these survivors of war they she realizes what they're doing and does it to herself because she's so appalled by the fact that she was helping advance this whole like malicious plot that they had it was almost like she couldn't cope she couldn't handle living with that knowledge she needed to force herself to forget she couldn't possibly live on knowing that these men were like being basically like lobotomized essentially yeah, they're being like through yeah through medication kind of lobotomized to the point that they can ship them back out into war because they're like well they're already trained so we have to cut costs so we can just we'll maximize the, the the quality of the product yeah they're not like, seen as people as men and it's it's something that it both has me worried for season two and also more excited because it opens up this world of what is this company geist like what 
Because you just see, I mean, the mother of uh, also Stephen James. We have to give him a shout out. Yeah. Between this and Beale Street, he He's is so going good. to be a star. He's like so good. there is no doubt in my mind that this guy is toe to toe with Julia Roberts, one of the legends. Yeah, the fact that these are therapy scenes that, like, in any other show, these scenes shouldn't work, but um, it's just these two acting abilities. And I mean, we already talked about Sam Esmail, who it's not only his camera work. But he strikes a very specific tone in this show that no other show has. The music, too. It, it keeps yeah. you, like, on your toes. Even like you whenever, know... like, in the beginning, it's something that would otherwise... Like, I feel like you could put just a cheerier soundtrack on that and you'd be like, oh, this is a nice uplifting show about yeah. helping out people. But there's this underlying, like, there's just something simmering under the surface. This entire show and... It really has a very true and genuine tone, unlike any other show that I've seen I, this year. Like, I gotta ask you, at the very end, do you think that he what what's the what's Stephen James's character name? Um, Walter. Walter. Do you think that he recognizes her? I. It, it leaves it up to to interpretation. It leaves it. I kind of because I mean it cuts out, so we don't see. I mean, maybe that's not. It's going to be dived into he season plays two. It, he but plays it I, off like he doesn't. But I think that, I think that he will, even if it's not like an immediate thing. It's kind there's of still like, in, like something. It, there's in the back something of his in his head, head that's yeah. just like he he recognizes her, even if he doesn't actually remember their conversations or anything that they did together. Well, the um, perfect tee off is the the utensil because Julia Roberts yeah. she was so anal about like having everything on her desk be perfectly organized and like symmetrical, uh, and he had this this bit with her where he would like you know change up that that yeah, order just move something so and that's what she that's what he does with the utensil on the table and it's kind of like teeing off like that he remembers their sessions that he remembers that but he doesn't want to accept it because he likes his secluded life and he, that he's built i mean himself. it's sometimes it's just easier to forget than to actually deal with true trauma it's yeah. easier to just kind of push it to the back of your mind all right and Drew's back and go so homecoming uh it's amazing it's amazing it's if you skipped ahead a couple it, minutes, ten, ten half hour episodes. Yeah, very uh, easy to watch yeah. too. Like it's it's very very. I want to see it again. I, I I was kind of thinking, like I said, like I wanted to rewatch some of these shows, but it's just it's easier to rewatch yeah. a movie than it is a TV a whole TV all season. Right. Number one, I I know we all have the same. I, number yeah, one. I think that we There's have only the same one number left. one. It's Atlanta. It's, it's tidying it's up ti oh. with Marie Kondo. Oh, yeah. But yeah okay. I was going to say it's 100% hotter. It's. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> it's the. It, come on, guys. It's the Great British I, Bake Off. Oh. That's it's a good show. nailed it. <laughs> um, Atlanta, guys. It's, yeah. it's not even close. I, this is far and away number see, one. See, okay. So, I, it's on like I was saying, world. I have three tiers to my list. I had 10 through. Uh, 10 through 8 which was Vandal Wild Wild Country and Legion and then my second tier was everything from Homecoming at 2 to Killing Eve at 7. Atlanta is in its tier by itself. Even if this season is a step down from season one is. which no 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 i, I agree with i that. think that it's about on the same playing field but i think a lot of people have said that it's a step down even if it is a step down this is still the best tv show like that's out there. It's yeah. still going to be the best show on and television I don't, I don't for as long as I don't think anything else comes close. I mean, Homecoming is my number two. I think that 
you know, Sam Esmail is hugely talented and he is able to make amazing TV. But Atlanta, like Donald Glover and his team with Hiro Murai and Stephen Glover, like they just built their own playground. They created something that is wholly unique and they can do whatever they want in this world and this universe. Yeah, that's that's why this is our number one. Well, what's crazy about this is like, for example, like my least favorite episode of the season was Champagne Poppy, the Drake episode. Mm. That was my least favorite episode of the season. That's still better than 95% at least of any other TV mm-hmm. that's out there. Like, yeah. even when this show fails, it fails upward. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> it, it kind of defies all logic um, how great this show is. Yeah, this is a show that conflicts me more than any other show on TV as well. And the reason for that is the directing is never in question. The directing is always 100% you know, just the best that there is. Um, structurally, most of the writers on this staff are just simply not TV writers. Some of them are. So there is plenty of uh, like standard structure. But a lot of the time I find myself watching this, I'll be like, why isn't this going to the place that I think it's going to go to? Like, why didn't it escalate from there or whatever? And then I think about it. I'm like, well, why do I want it to? The reason I want it to is because that's what the other TV does. Yeah, you've been but, conditioned. But the reason the show's so good is because it doesn't do that. It's because it doesn't like it doesn't do what I just instinctively. I'm like, yeah, it should just like you know, step C is like you know, leading from step B or whatever. Like this show, it veers whenever you think you understand it, you don't. But it's still the the season as a whole still manages to tell this singular story about. Earn and uh, Paperboy and Al like being at a, at a crossroads in their personal and professional yeah. relationship and kind of figuring out like what Earn is willing to do to salvage that. And you know, you have the golden gun introduced with Cat Williams in episode one, and that pays off in the finale at the airport. And even though we had the insanity of episodes like uh, The Woods and Teddy Perkins to flesh out the, the, ambiance and the sheer just like genius of what yeah. they can do in this playground and the thundercat episode which, yeah, which yeah. is what yeah, i'll call yeah. it that was the funniest thing i saw the whole it's, year it's it's still uh it's still this this very uh personal story about these two men these two uh cousins uh and i think it's grounded by fubu i think fubu is yeah. like the linchpin of that because it really goes back to their youth to kind of tell you like hey these guys they're, they're, they will always be family. They've always been family, and they always be family. Mm. Yeah, and I think that between the last two episodes, because, I mean, this sh- season really had us kind of, like, really kind of rooting against Earn for a lot of it. Like, we were kind of all against Paints Donald Glover. in a Glover. negative light, yeah. Yeah, like, it really kind of showed him, like, maybe this guy isn't cut out. Maybe this isn't what's best for Paperboy, and for his future is kind of dragging along Earn, but... Between FUBU, you see that they've had this bond forever, that they're family. And then in the season finale, what's great is it's not really a big deal or anything, but you see that he's willing to do whatever it takes to help Paperboy succeed. He realizes that he has this gun that could get them all arrested and could ruin this whole plan for a European tour for Paperboy. And he does what he has to to make well, sure that that does not... he put himself in that situation by not realizing he had it in the first place. But, yeah, but I mean... but. Uh, he knows that that's just going to cause trouble for the rest of them trying to get on the plane if they're all in the same group and everything else. Like, so he just he ditches it. He just does what he has to to kind of get rid of it and mm-hmm. make sure that's not a problem. And it's well, he fucks over the other guy. Yeah, he does. <laughs> the Yuhu guy. 
He does, but I mean, you gotta do what you have to exactly. do. I mean, which, that's kind of it's somebody show business wouldn't. in a very pure way. And that's, but somebody else wouldn't do that. Right. He did that because he's family. Right. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't willing to like actually do anything to interfere with Paperboy's career. And that's, that's when he takes that kind of that little step. Um, that isn't. I mean, and what's funny is like I don't even think those are like near the highlights of the show. Like those are like yeah. some of the like mid tier episodes of this show. Is well, it's what's the incredible. details, you know. Yeah. It's, it's it's the 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 final touches on what's the amazing about this is that like they're they're able to have these amazing uh character driven episodes that are just focused on one side character and they lend themselves to the wider plot like i don't know another show that could have a teddy perkins episode that's the best episode yeah, yeah. exactly that's... teddy perkins is one of the best episodes of tv i think i've ever seen yeah. in my life like it's insane um, and y- like you said, the linchpin was FUBU. I think the linchpin of the entire series, like the reason that it's okay if they abandon structure in the writing department is because the- it is never in question how good the show looks and how well it's acted. Mm-hmm. Those departments are always 100%. Every character is a brilliant actor and every shot is gorgeous. They've carved out a beautiful aesthetic for Atlanta. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we're two seasons in. I don't think that they've been to downtown Atlanta once. Yeah, aside from like the clubs, whenever yeah, yeah, like to... strip club. yeah, but you yeah. never, there's yeah. never like an exterior of just skyscrapers, right. which is what at least I think of when I think Atlanta. But you know, uh, Donald and his brother, who writes for the show, grew up in Stone Mountain, which is decently far from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So they're depicting a woodsy. Uh, kind of suburban, yeah, suburban, like lower middle class, sometimes very lower class, sometimes upper class area with a lot of space between everything. It it's so fucking gorgeous. I mean, shouts to Hero Mirai. Donald Glover even directed this season. Sometimes it's just it looks like nothing else, and that's why. Like for example, uh, think about Sorry to Bother You. Um, that movie bothered me <laughs> because. Sorry. <laughs> well, because it's for me, it's okay if one thing gets a little shaky if the rest of it is doing all right. But with that movie, the writing is already so out there that it, I think it would have been so much better if it had looked better. But there were shots that I thought looked pretty awful at points. There were yeah. at, there were cuts that I thought looked pretty awful, and there were lines that I thought were pretty awful. In addition to plenty of really really good stuff. But that unsteadiness is what separates that from something like Atlanta. With Atlanta, you never really feel like you're like skiing in an avalanche. You never feel like it's all going to fall apart. You trust the show so much because they earned it. Yeah, because they earned it. Earned. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's so interesting because the show is extremely like by nature unstable and it can go anywhere. But you feel like it's the most stable thing in the world. Well, I mean, also to your point about the whole setting of this, I think that that really kind of comes to fruition in the episode Woods, where it feels like this is like a place outside of reality while it's happening. Like it feels, it feels very Twin Peaks. You have these exterior, very like overlooking shots of the woods and it makes the woods look so dark and ominous and intimidating. And the homeless man that he encounters in there. Yeah. That's (laughs) just like, you don't really know if anything you're watching is actually real. And it's kind of the fact that this show can blend surrealism with true character development and drama all together. Well, one that is episode in particular, it, it blurs the line because yep. of Brian Terry Henry's mother having passed. So they inject the character of Al with that personal story that he had to live through. And you're just seeing this man like 
you can tell that he is putting so much of his own life into this character and, and it shows because what the one of the defining qualities of Al is just that like tired, pissed off, sick of this shit face. And in Woods, you see this whole different side to it that is full of like heartbreak and sadness. Uh, And he he was like the standout star of the season, I think. I mean, obviously, we get amazing work from all the guest stars in there and Donald Glover. Yeah, Glover, Stanfield. Yeah. Um, I mean, Donald Glover as Teddy Perkins. Like, that's just... (laughs) That's something that can't even be. How do you even critique? <laughs> well, that I mean, also shout out to a Yuhu guy. I mean, that was yeah, one of the <laughs> the um, uh, money back shoddy episode is one of the funniest. Or wait, no, uh, I think it might have been. It was a uh, sporting waves, I believe, when they go to like the Google type of company and everything. Yeah. Oh, the Spotify you, type thing. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Spotify company. That episode is hilarious, and it's so uncomfortable to watch. Like this show is. It's it's so uh, like puts this spotlight and this magnifying glass on what it is to be like, quote unquote, black and Mm -hmm. versus like people like trying to actually like be in there like, oh, I get black culture like these like white upper class people working. They're like, what's up, my homies? And it's so it's also not it's not trying to show uh, a non-black audience what it's really like no it's not it's it's not it's not showy in any kind yeah. of a way it's just kind of it it's more genuine than that that like, it feels like this is something that just people kind of have to live with in their everyday lives mm-hmm. yeah. and it doesn't even like necessarily cast a negative light on it it just shows it it's a unique thing. it's a unique perspective without making a big deal about its uniqueness right yeah and well that yeah that's why the show is our number one is because it is so rooted in the harsh reality and it's these people like speaking their truths to like the umpteenth extent. And then also it's just crazy out there and ethereal and strange and like otherworldly at the same time, Mm -hmm. which is if you told me about it, I'd say that's impossible almost, you know, this show is kind of impossible. That's why I love it. (laughs) Another episode that kind of blurs the lines where you're like, what the hell am I even watching is Helen, which I feel like is kind of a forgotten episode of this whole show. But I mean, that's where you get a Zazie Beats and Donald Glover episode and they go to this like, they're trying to save the weird ass fucking Swedish town that Germans that a German town that Zazie Beats, family is from. And it's so preposterous that you're like, this isn't a real place, but Apparently, it actually is yeah. like a real place in Georgia <laughs> that you can go to. Yeah. It's down Helen. Yeah, I've been there. Oh, yeah. I remember you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I got... Uh... <laughs> no, I'm not even going <laughs> to... What are you going Where are you going with this? I was persecuted. No, I'm actually... I'm German, so they didn't go after me. All right. Well, <laughs> that's our list. Atlanta number one. Uh, we are way... Uh, short on time so we're not gonna take a break and and do a whole nother segment (laughs) way over way over yeah yeah way long on time i just Um, had a couple awards i wanted to give out go for it yeah let's just let's shout out any anything that didn't make the list um quickly i kind of already said but best show i never watched was bear call saw worst show i never finished westworld Mm. sorry drew Mm. um I, Some of my honorable, don't worry, I don't. My care. main honorable mentions I wanted to give a shout out to is Queer Eye. It's the best re. It's probably like the best reality TV show I've ever watched great in show. my life. It's it's genuinely like a great show, like non ironically or anything. It's something that you can genuinely learn things from, like 
not just about like culture, but also about like basic hygiene. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like certain fashion senses, like how to like if you're a bigger guy, like things to kind of highlight about yourself and everything. It's it's a show that really kind of um, I feel like it, it. makes you become a better person and, like, and prioritize self-care and, yeah and that's what it really all comes down to is it's not just like remodeling your house or getting a new wardrobe it's like having a new outlook about yourself yeah. and about on life yeah well that, i mean that's why it's better the original uh queer I, I don't know if you guys watched it back in the day yeah anyway, yeah, yeah it was a little more mean-spirited it was a little more like hey listen buddy like we're gonna fix you up and then they ended up being really nice but this show is all about the feelies it's all about getting an emotional response from their person and the viewers and each other and the the one of the key parts of that is just like the editing like the music and just yeah yeah like being able to construct an episode that really packs an emotional punch that's yeah that's what reality tv is yeah and that's that's good producing by whoever's behind these cameras because it is difficult to elicit uh, pure emotion from people who are not used to being on camera, mm-hmm. much less being on a Netflix show with like four cameras. Right. On them. <laughs> um, and they got a lot of people to cry yeah. <laughs> and, and not in a mean way either. You yeah. know what I mean? That's, uh, that's good. Uh, that's good. Television my, my favorite episode is probably the one with the, the guy that proposes to his oh, girlfriend man. with the movie, the movie, it's very like cringy and kind of hard to watch the, yeah. <laughs> the like little movie that he makes for her. But it's like it's so genuine yeah, and sweet. It's heartfelt. And from a few movie lovers in the room exactly. here, it actually it, it got me emotional. Yeah. Like looking yeah, at watching that, it, uh, that gets the go watch this now award. Yeah, it it wins my award for show that taught me how to put a tangerine in olive oil and call that food. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bro. Shout out to Anthony. God I like Anthony, it, but Anthony. Pick, you got to pick it up, dude. You're not really doing anything. Well, you, you know, okay. if you He's cut not... up an avocado, it looks different. And then you can eat it like that. <laughs> Whoa, shit, man. Now I'm now I'm an adult. So uh, one more uh, thing I want to shout out award I wanted to give out. Um, and this goes to Nicholas Bertel, who I'm going to talk about him extensively next week uh, because I think he made the best score for a movie this year. But he did the theme to Succession. Um, Nicholas Bertel is quickly becoming my favorite uh, film composer. He's now made Moonlight. If Beale Street could talk, he's done the he's done um, the music to Succession, um, a couple other works here and there. But his work, if you're ever familiar with uh, the uh, composer Ryuichi, the Westworld no. guy, no, no. No. <laughs> um, anyways, he is uh, very f- similar to that. He has a very kind of classical style, uh, big orchestral at times. Um, but yeah, no, Nicholas Patel, you are a god and I love you. All right. So here are some of the shows that I want to shout out. Uh, the End of the Fucking World on Netflix. Oh, I never watched that. I really it's want to get around super to super quick. One. It's like six half hour episodes. Yeah. Did you know that that actually has a shorter runtime than Mission Impossible Fallout? Oh, sick. <laughs> the entire uh, show. It's a great show. It's a story about these two teenagers who like run away together. It's interesting. I saw this and uh, Lean on Pete like back to back, and they kind of have like a lot of parallels, weirdly. That's odd. About like young people who are on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, great show full of like weird, uh, violent, and humorous shit and gr- uh, great performances. Uh, Maniac on Netflix, Jonah Hill, uh, Emma Stone, Justin Theroux, and Kerry Fukunaga. Uh, this gets my Cool Experiment Award. Uh, it looks beautiful. They were able to kind of play around in these different genres. Um, you know, very, very solid show. 
Forever on Amazon Prime, my Rudolph and Fred Armisen. This gets my Just Watch It award because if I talk about it, it like ruins what it is. So just watch it. Um, Preacher on AMC. It gets the fucking nuts award. I, I'm surprised that that didn't make your list. I know you were a big Preacher head for the I, first season. I love it. It's a great show, but uh, it's it's just so out there. It's Seth Rogen, uh, Evan Goldberg. Yeah. And it's the only show where you see Hitler working at a subway and trying to, <laughs> uh, you know, live in the present day while escaping yeah. his brutally violent past. Um, and speaking of Rogan and Goldberg, is Future Man 2018 or is it? 20- yeah, it was January 2018. Because honestly, I truly do enjoy that show. Um, I want to check out the new season. Ha- yeah, I haven't finished season one, but it's fun. It's it's like absurd. It's it's very, you know, raunchy. It's it's the uh, it gets my award for high school comedy of the year. If I were if I were seventeen, that would be my favorite show. Yeah, it's cool. It's like it's like video games and time travel and, and yeah, and just like a bunch of shit. Fuck, like, yeah, <laughs> pussy. Like you know, saying those words um, in a funny way though. <laughs> Star Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access. Oh yeah, I forgot that, that was this year. Fun show, really cool show. A lot of like, it, it's a great blend of like the new Trek that's like very action adventure heavy, and like the old Trek, which is based on like science and uh, you know mm. crazy, uh, uh, you know sci- just scientific concepts that right. are realized. Very really high concept. Kind yeah. Of stuff. So there, there's this one thing in this season where the crew uh, has to grapple with this. Uh, transportation drive that's based on like spores like a mushroom spore based teleportation device and it goes horribly wrong and they're teleported to an alternate dimension so weird weird stuff in this show full of uh great performances lucy Liu is in there um and so is um just a lot of i might get cbs all access just to try and binge through this show and the good fight yeah, yeah. Season two of uh, Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, is coming soon. Um, so. Okay, I have I have a couple of awards that are non consequential ones because I mean, other than that, these are very important, and we are giving these out. We have not in addition to like a hundred trophies behind us. We have a hundred boxes, and we're going to send <laughs> these whether or not they want it, and whether or not they have an address. Some of them are insulting awards. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, just my uh, I, I'm going to call this the uh, award. Uh, it goes to a, a game show from GSN that was recently added to Netflix. It's called Idiot Test. It is it's a show uh, ostensibly it could be good. It's based on brain puzzles. Like they it's it's like the you know just like every question is kind of a trick question. It's that kind of show. The host of it is this comedian who you just hate. You just don't like the way he looks. You don't like his personality. Uh, the puzzles themselves look like they were photoshopped by like a ninth grader. Um, and then the whole shtick is that like there's two teams against each other and they're either really smart or they're really fucking stupid. Um, so it'll be like, oh yeah, I'm in Mensa and this is my husband. He's a garbage man. Like that type of thing. It's really weird. Uh, and it's, I loved watching it because it shows how badly things can go wrong. (laughs) If what's it called again? Idiot test. If you have. This is if you have like eight dollars, this is the show that you can make. It's truly bad. <laughs> I watched all of it because I was like grotesquely fascinated. I was doing homework or something as usual. And then the flip side of that, an, another show that's relatively low budget. I think it might be Game Show Network as well. It's called Win Sanity. 
I've it's, heard of one. It is. It's hosted by Donald Faison. Who doesn't like Donald Faison? It's okay. Turk from Scrubs. Oh. Yeah, he still looks the same. He looks great. He's doing well. He has a good personality. Uh, and it's a show. Here's why I like the show. The concept is it's like uh, kind of like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where you escalate up a ladder of trivia. But instead of just one question, there are four numbers put in order, like, you know, number of people who bought a Nissan in 2014, number of people who ate Pringles, mm-hmm. like that type of thing. It's four things and you have to order them correctly and you end up making this huge list of numbers and you have to order everything right. The reason the show is good, because that's a pretty solid uh, trivia concept. It, it actually gets your brain going on like idiot test. Uh, and also the audience is into it because they win as well. So the audience is genuinely like losing their minds, not just like fake losing their minds, kind of like, you know, Price is Right or whatever, yeah. where like someone's on the intercom, like, you know, freak the fuck out when we come <laughs> back. Um, so it's actually the concept is solid. I could see it being on a network, even though it's it's just a game show. So it's not like great or anything. It's not Jeopardy, but I like it. And it's on Netflix. Ooh. It's not it's genuinely there's nothing wrong with it. And this gets my nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I, I want to apologize uh, to uh, Michelle Yeoh, who is actually the one that's in Star Trek Discovery, not Lucy Liu. Um, this is the I'm Sawi Award. <laughs> so, uh, wow, this is the I'm Racist <laughs> Award. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michelle Yeoh, who was in Crazy Rich Asians, she's a badass in Star Trek Discovery. I thought that was um, Steven Yoon. <laughs> oh, I have another award I want to give out. It's the worst show I've seen this year award. What's that? Um, I don't even know if it's on this year, but it's now on Netflix. And unfortunately, I've watched all of it. I watched all of it with Gaia, and we both hated this show. And we still watched every episode of it. It's a show called 100% Hotter. So I don't know if you guys ever watched What Not to Wear on TLC. I watched back in all the day. of it because my sister so, and my mom. Yep, same, actually. Yeah. So this is like that show, except it's like about a hundred times meaner than that show. How and is that, that show even is pos- already yeah. so mean. How is that possible? So they take these people, it's it's a British what not to wear kind of where they take these people who don't dress like real human beings. It's all so faked. Um, They're wearing like burlap sacks. Yeah. Like there's like this woman is like one of the things she looks like a goddamn Oompa Loompa. Um, (laughs) But um, they, they take these people and they uh, make them, they just take like pictures of them out in public and they make people rate them on a scale of one to 10 for how hot they are. And then they make the people watch them and they're like, yeah, the scores came back. You got a 1.4 and they like tell them about how ugly they are and everything. And it's so goddamn mean. um, So you might not know this. That's based on an American show called 10 years younger, which was also on TLC. And it was even meaner. Did they just go out and show people a picture? Yeah. Here's what they did on 10 Years Younger. They put someone in like a town plaza in a glass box and people would walk up and be like, P.U. They look like they're 50 years old. And it's like a 20 year old who just oh, looks like God. shit. And then the person <laughs> is like, yeah. So, mean. so then they get out of the box and they're like weeping and they're like, yeah, everyone Aww. says you're ugly as shit. So <laughs> the, worst, the worst part about the show is the cast. There is a generic Jonathan who looks like <laughs> Jonathan from Queer Eye, except, oh God, I can't stop move, moving out his face. Um, he looks like uh, the lion. <laughs> he looks like the lion from The Wizard Ew. of Oz. He looks like one of those main coons um, that looks like a person. he is they all make the same face at all times all three of them there's uh the most generic kim kardashian knockoff looking person in the world and then there's a girl who's got bangs because she's different from the other girls um 
yeah, no, this show sucks. I hate it. I watched all of it, like, <laughs> due to how much I hated it, because I was like, no, no, there's no way this show is that bad. I just and can't quit you. The worst episode is uh, they have a transgender person on, like, the season finale of it, and I, like, I, I could not finish this episode, because they need, they had to keep telling this person who's gay that, like, or, no, it's not a transgender person. It's just somebody who's gay. They needed to keep telling them, yeah, well, we need to get rid of your mangina. Ooh, and they said that, like, no. multiple times throughout the whole episode. And I was like, yo, fuck this show. Fuck this show. Oh my like, God. this is so mean. It's it's the worst. Yeah, that sucks. Um, you got an award? I, have, I know you do. I have, three, <laughs> I have three more things to shout out. So, Love on Netflix wrapped up its third oh. and final season. Um, you know, Apatow. Paul Russ, mm-hmm. Gillian solid. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, solid show. Fun uh, for what it is. Uh, Arrested Development on Netflix. It gets the You Can Quit Now award. Please <laughs> stop. Y- you're you're ruining it. <laughs> it's just, it's not what it used to be. It, it, it went from being a, like a near a perfect. A show. Yeah, yeah, near perfect show to like a fine to okay show. So just please stop. And last but not least, a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. Uh, I couldn't help myself. I just binged through the third and final season, which came out like last week. I I can't deny it. This is a fantastic show. Mm. Like it went from being like not great to like pretty great to now like, holy shit, I can't believe that they nailed it. Uh, I mean, it's it's not the best thing ever made or anything like that. But for me, for being a fan of the books and like the way they were able to like adapt those books pretty much to a T and like finding ways to like build on the, the lore and adapt it to a visual medium. I I thought it was genius. I, there's so many like great uh, supporting cast members in here. Allison Williams from girls, Max Greenfield is in there. Um, Nathan Fillion, Tony Hale. Mm. There's so many great people filling out the supporting cast. Uh, it gets my nostalgia award. I love it. Mm, I have an award. Uh, it's my uh, ride or die. No one listened to me, and no one's going to award. And that goes to the show. Would I lie to you? Remember, I talked about oh, this. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck you guys. Little, little game show. <laughs> uh, little game show. No, little this is cute. I mean, this is my second favorite game show I've ever seen. Right under Jeopardy, uh, because it's it is a comedy show, and it's instead of relying like American shows do on like. Like with you know, think about Deal or No Deal. They just take some idiot who knows how to just like ham it up, and they're like, "Hey, this is funny." That's not funny. This takes comedians and it tells them, "Hey, the object of the show is to tell a story that's either true and insane, or it's not true, and you have to make it sound true and defend right. yourself." Uh, and it's funny people off the bat. So the premise is perfect. This is such a good show. It's on YouTube. I would recommend. So watch full episodes, a couple of them, so you get the gist of how the show works and how, like, if you're telling a fake story, you have to make it sound true, obviously. But if you're telling a true story, you have to almost make it sound a little fake. You have to kind of sound like you're stumbling, which is what the really good players do. Um, And then after you watch a couple full episodes, watch a compilation of Bob Mortimer on that show. He's this old British comedian. He goes on there. You can find, like, a long-ass compilation. Every story he has from being a kid is just fucking insane like they must be fake they're surely (laughs) fake and then they're true and whenever you think he's telling the truth because you're like oh well it's bob it's fake it's it's like transcendently funny the audience is losing it every other comedian 
who like are usually pretty smug they just like are like crying laughing it's the funniest thing i've ever seen funniest thing i've seen this whole year like not even joking. Would I lie to you? Is it from this year? Is it like an uh, older show? There, are, it's still running. But I, I mean, I watched episodes from as far as like seven years ago. Oh, okay. Um, okay. they're all. I think they're all bootlegs. I don't think they're officially uploaded, but they're gonna stay there. All right, that about does it, uh, for this week's episode. It's been great. Thanks, guys. Good time. We have one left. Movies next week. Films. Yeah. Uh, still got a lot <laughs> of catching finale. up to do. Uh, r- real quick, what are we excited about TV this year in the coming months? I know tr- uh, True Detective. True Detective kicks off tonight. Uh, Crashing season three. Barry. Oh, uh, Catastrophe season four. Succession season two is mm-hmm. coming back this year. Game of Thrones. I mean, we have to be excited for Game of Thrones. This is the final season of Thrones. Yeah, this year. the Good Place. Good Place. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we'll we'll be checking in on all of those in the coming months um in the meantime you can follow we bought a mic on social media at we bought a mic and email us at we bought a mic at gmail.com and just let us know what your favorite shows of the year were you know how much did you hate westworld or love it how much did you hate atlanta and then we'll tell you why you're wrong yeah please don't yeah (laughs) go away don't talk to me um, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Hunt Mobley. I am now a pro member of Letterboxd. Oh, I forgot you guys did that. Yeah. Should pro? I get in on that? Yeah. I kind of considered being a patron member, but that was like $50. That's a lot. No, 20 bucks for a year of pro Letterbox okay. is pretty cool. You, yeah, get, you get a lot of cool stats about how much you're wasting your life watching yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I... Check me out on there. I've actually been getting a few more Letterboxd followers. I think I've now surpassed my Twitter followers with Letterboxd followers, but check me out on there, uh, especially because there's going to be a lot of movies that don't make uh, our top 10 to talk about that I kind of did full-length reviews for, so check it out on there. Great. All right. I'm on Letterboxd at Drew D. Uh, more importantly, I'm at, on Twitter at Drew Dietzen, screen name The Keeble Truther. Mm-hmm. The truth is out I'm, there. I'm going to stick with it until people realize what's do going do on. Do 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 Tower do 7. Do 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 Josh, Fat Josh Peck just fell on Tower 7 and it collapsed. Oh <laughs> He's in that movie. Hug me, brother! Check out. <laughs> Terrorists! <laughs> um... <laughs> That's my film of the year. Spoiler alert. Max, <laughs> Max Keeble's big move yet again makes my list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Uh, and I'm at Calderness on Letterboxd, Twitter, Instagram, all that shit. Um, let us know what you thought of our favorite TV shows. Let us know if we missed anything. And stay tuned for next week for our favorite movies of the year. Um, leave us a review on iTunes if you like what we do here. We're doing the Lord's work. Please spread the gospel of We Bought a Mic. Yeah, you, once again, you're welcome for yeah. even doing this for yeah, you. Yeah, we're doing this for you. So please, please. I'm actually, I'm going to, my new character is uh, <laughs> Conspiracy Theory Josh Peck. <laughs> Chemtrails! <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks I'll, for listening. I'll workshop that. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.